It's Locked On Giants Live with Trina, Tana, and Dog. Pull up a chair and settle in as we talk Giants training camp and preseason and take your questions. All of that coming up next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to a special edition of Locked On Giants podcast. It is Locked On Giants live. You got Trina, Tana, and Dog. We are here. We are pumped. We are ready to talk Giants football. Guys, how you doing? I'm excited. Excited. Uh, Bando, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, great. Pump day. Football's here. Yankees stink. <laughs> go Giants. <laughs> I was not going to mention the Yankees. I, I I said, don't mention the Yankees because I didn't want to get you in a foul mood. You That's brought right. it up. <laughs> yeah, and and same thing for me. Don't bring up the Mets. They've been awful this year. I'm, I think oh, we're my both, God. I, think I we're couldn't both, believe that like, score the other day. Oh, Holy my God. Smokes. Oh, my God. But I think we're both, you know, dying for football to start. Yes. And it's almost yes. here. We're finally going to have some things to really talk about. We don't have to talk about is Daniel Jones a top 10 quarterback. We're going to get to see it. Uh, I, I'm I'm sick of the offseason banter. I want to see them on the field. You know, I'm I'm at that point now where I'm just itching for regular season football. Uh, I it's can't wait coming. to get going. Yeah, I can't wait. It is coming. I gotta admit, though, I I rather enjoy ripping some of the analysts on ESPN. <laughs> I, I I have kind of fun. I have fun with it. I I do because they deserve it. They deserve to feel my wrath for some of the stuff that they say about our Giants. Listen, you, you know. Uh, not for nothing. I don't mean, mean to sound critical, but how can you critique if you're not in the building, if you're not there every you day? You can't. Uh, that, that's I what I always laugh at, Pat. That. That's what I always laugh at, Pat. When you, I, I'm not even talking about analysts, just people on Twitter, fans, analysts, whoever, people who think they know more than the people that are in the building. Uh, I laugh at it. I mean, these guys, these guys have firsthand experience with this with this guy. They didn't draft the guy. They inherited the guy. They signed off on giving him $40 million. There's something that they see in the kid. And I'm going to trust their opinion over some Joe Schmo on Twitter or some analyst trying to make hot takes on Fox Sports. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about all that. We've got plenty to talk about, God knows. Um, we'll take questions a little later on in the program. So a big shout out to everybody who who's here tonight, my everydayers, newcomers. Whoever you are, thank you so much. We're all family here. So just pull up a chair, relax. Hope you've got your drink. I know I got my water. I know, doll, you've got your soda. Oh, you got, my got, you got your coffee. So uh, let's do this, guys. So um, I don't know. You guys haven't been to training camp, I don't think, right? But no, you've been I get, yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to make it. I didn't get a chance this year, yeah. Okay. Well, Giants, you know, I've, I've been to, at most of the practices. I missed, I missed unfortunately, uh, yesterday's because I got a flat tire. Uh, of all days, right? Uh, that was a padded practice, although they did running more so running. But anyway, Daniel Jones, my God, guys, yeah. can we talk about Daniel Jones and how, you know, it's funny. You go back to the spring and everybody was, the, the, the reporters are like, oh my God, you know, is Daniel Jones any different than what he was? And he's just, he's still the same hard worker, same personality. Tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, and you guys are obviously going to go off with clips and whatnot, but 
do you not see a little bit of a swagger to oh, Daniel yeah. Jones's, you know, step? Like almost like he's co- more confident, more. Uh, what's the word I want? Just I don't want to say like guns. Just confident is the best. Yeah, no, I'm you you can see it even in the way you know when I've watched the video clips in terms of his uh, press conferences. You you can just tell he's coming. A, he's still you know a little bit reserved because that's who he is, and that's the way I want him to be. I don't want him to be somebody who he's not. It was the same thing with Eli Manning. I used to get pissed at people when they used to make fun of his personality. That's Eli. As long as the guy produces on the field, I'm all about it. The all shucks mentality, everything else. But you can tell he's feeling himself a little bit. You can tell he's he's coming a little bit out of his shell. I, I definitely see that uh, this year in the way that, you know, he's talked to the media. He definitely seems like he's expressing himself a little bit more. Uh, I remember you guys had a press conference, um, you know, obviously, I, I don't know, maybe like two or three weeks ago. And he had a response, uh, something along the lines of, well, that's for the guys at ESPN to decide. And that was it was kind of like a like throwing a little bit of shade at the ESPNs of the world. Made me smile a little bit. So you can tell he's got a little bit of an edge to him this year. I think he's got something to prove. It's a quiet confidence. You know, he's not boisterous. He's not like me. Uh, where he's going to scream at the top of his lungs. Nobody's like you, dog. Oh, thank God. You're original. My my son. We're we're making a part two. Uh, (laughs) That sequel's in the works. And anybody that's seen some of my live streams, Chris knows when uh, my son comes down here, he tends to steal the show. He's he's a little uh, he's a little ham and egger sometimes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But no, there's definitely. And, you know, Patty, I I think this goes back to last year. I really do. I, I will consistently if Daniel Jones continues to, you know, get better and better, he's on an ascension. And, and he continues to get better, which I think he will. I'm always going to go back to game one against Tennessee when he threw the really bad interception in the end zone. And Dable went over and was animated. I don't know what Dable said to him, but he was animated. Giants are down 13-0 at halftime. I'm thinking, here we go. Same old Giants. Nothing's changed. Daniel Jones could have hung his head. Oh, it was me. Everybody hates me. What does he do? He takes it in stride. He goes out there. He leads the Giants to – you know, a victory, the first time they'd been over 500 any day in five years. And as the Giants were able to pull these games off and win these games at the end, I think that really breeded confidence in Daniel Jones and the team. Dave Gettleman always talked about, oh, we got to get the culture, the culture, culture. And I've been on record. I've said this many times. You can ask the chat knows me. Hashtag WBC winning builds culture. When a team becomes confident, when you start winning games, you start going, oh, we've been here before. We know we're going to win. We have confidence. Confidence goes a long way. It's something that cannot be taught. This is something that worried me about Daniel Jones when I was a naysayer. I, said, I don't think he can do it. I don't think he's confident enough. I don't think he believes in himself enough. And the problem was not that Daniel Jones didn't believe in himself. I think he didn't believe in the coaches. And I think he believes in Dable now. And you see a totally different Daniel Jones. When the Giants are losing all these games, it was like, okay, how are we going to blow this one? What's going to happen now? What bad can happen? It's amazing the turnaround in one season. And people can say Daniel Jones is no good. He's a bottom-tier quarterback, whatever they want to say. Saquon Barkley. I love when people say they should have tagged Jones and signed Barkley to a long-term deal. Those people don't understand. If you tagged the Jones, you couldn't have signed Barkley anyway. You'd have no money because you can't maneuver $32 million around if he's on the tag. Yeah, There's just a difference about Jones. He commands respect in the huddle. He's standing a little bit taller. And I think it's because he has belief in the system. And I believe that that has led his teammates to believe in him. You're going to see a damn good football team this year. I don't think we're going to win 13 games or anything. Our schedule is really tough. But this team is going to be better than it was last year. And 
the future's bright. I'm pumped if you can't tell, guys. And, 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 yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I think you hit it on the head with year two in the scheme. That, that to me, is the, yes. I think the thing I'm most excited about for Daniel Jones this year. I, I know it. You, you look historically. You could, No matter the level of the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, year two in the scheme in Tennessee when he went there, the guy threw for 33 touchdowns and seven picks, looked like a Pro Bowl quarterback. Jared Goff last year, year two in the scheme, elevated by 11 touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, year two in the scheme. Aaron Rodgers, year two in the scheme with LaFleur. Uh, Matt Ryan wins the MVP, year two in the scheme with the Atlanta Falcons, right? Like, year two in this offense, when you have a play caller as good as Brian Dable, and you have the weapons that have improved on this team going from a XFL roster at the skill positions to at least an NFL roster, um, you know, you think about what they're going to be able to do against these opposing defenses. I I think Dan Jones is in for a big year. I, I, I'm not scared to say it. I've said it countless times. I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP. I think you're going to end this year saying, yeah, I have to start giving this guy respect, whether you're a hater or not. I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, and I think the second year in the offense with this coaching staff has as much to do with it as anything else. Yeah, but here's the one thing I'm worried about, guys, if I'm being totally honest with you. The offensive line not being that's settled. That's, 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 that's I not, am that's very concerned. I mean, here we are. We've got, what, three more weeks or so until the opening day? That yeah. offensive line is still not settled. Evan Neal, he was just cleared um, from the concussion protocol today to, res to resume uh, practicing. He had been, you know, he got, think, what, back on August 4th? And today's August 16th, so that's 12 days he missed. All right? The left guard situation, we still don't know who the guy's going to be. Is it going to be a rotation, or is it going to be Bredesen, or is it going to be a Zudu? They're, they're moving guys around over at right guard. Is it going to be Glowinski or Bredesen or who, somebody else? The fact that that offensive line is not yet settled, if I'm being totally honest with you, that's right now is my biggest concern. It should be. The success. Especially the it's, depth. The depth yeah. of the O-line. I mean, again, it's one preseason game. I'm not. The, the sky's not falling. Right. Wow, when you watch what happened with Cunningham and Wyatt out there, it's like they had no – Eric Gray had no – Wyatt was out of position. To be fair to I, him, yeah, I'm no excuse. What, 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 what surprised me though is when I went on Twitter after the game and I saw everybody acting surprised about the depth. Our offensive st mm -hmm. line starters are bad, so what do you think the depth's going to look like? So well, I wasn't you know, shocked. Were, missing yeah, go Phillips. Ahead. Phillips was yeah. missing. You know, he was Matt missing. Perry, yeah. You know, was, was was also you know he he was okay when he was in there, but yeah. they were so down on 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 uh, bodies because of the injuries. They had to put Wyatt out of position. Wyatt's a guard. He's not a tackle. But Cunningham, holy smokes. Cunningham. The one play that Chris wow. and I left at, Cunningham must have forgot the snap count because he's – I know. And, and the guy came off the edge. I'm like, how How does that happen? He, that he told me, because everybody else knew he was, he was down there. Yeah, yeah. We, we need Neil out there this week. We need to get him back you know, out there. And here's the other thing. You know – want to i don't want to incite panic here but when i watched neil in practice before he got dinged there were times when i questioned whether he was actually comfortable in his stance like you know yeah. you expect the guy to get into his stance and just kind of sit there and be set and you know ready to, to move i saw a little bit of fidgeting and that you know until till everything got set you know what i mean like he was fidgeting a little bit like okay maybe i'm not you know i'm too high maybe i'm too low so the twelve days that he missed, I'm I, I'm hoping that he he catches up today. Now you know there was a report. I 
I wasn't at practice today. I had to take care of something. You know, I had some personal things to do. But I know there was a report that came out. I think Jordan Renan put it out. Yeah. That, that his ankles was taped up. And I'm here to tell you, I, I looked into that. I asked somebody if, they, you know, did they know of anything with Neil's ankle? And the person told me, look, they were practicing inside the field house today. This was really the first time Neil was playing inside the field house. Sometimes guys will take their, their feet up a little differently playing on grass versus on the turf. So he said, as far as he knew, there was nothing wrong with Neil's ankle. Okay. I mean, he hasn't done anything. You know, he, he's been limited the last 12 days. When, when would he have had time to have an ankle injury? Yeah. So Hopefully, I mean, he, he, we need him, especially after you saw the death yes. last week, we, we need him. So that that's huge. And I agree with you. I mean, it's the same thing every year. We sound like broken records because bad dog, me, you, we all say it every year, but it's the truth. What's going to make it or break this offense this year is the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think we could find ways to put forth at least a solid offense if the offensive line struggles? Yes, because of our play callers, um, because of Jones' second year in the scheme. But if we want this offense to elevate and become a top 10 offense in the NFL, the offensive line has to be up the, up the snuff. It, it has to be at least close Absolutely. to an average offensive line in the league. And there's no doubt about it. People don't want to admit that, that think, you know, football is played like seven on seven. That's not the way the game is played. The game's won in the trenches. It always will be. That's the way a game, the game of football is played. So, yeah, I agree with you. That is our biggest key to the season, and it will be the biggest key to our season mm-hmm. until such time we go into a year like the Eagles, where you know going into the year, yeah, we got a top 5-0 line. We're good to go. That's We don't even have to think about that. Until we get to that point, that's always going to be the biggest key. Now, yeah, we'll but I'll tell you what, that, that offensive line is going to get a test right out of the gate against Dallas. No yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up, dog, because Wink has been throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, at that offensive line, particularly at Schmitz. You know, blitzes, fancy stuff. You know, he has been throwing everything at him because you don't think for a second that Dan Quinn of the Cowboys is going to do the same thing to the kid. Oh, they're bringing out. So get can, him, can get wink, him, wink throw stuff a- now. Can Wink throw a Micah Parsons at him? That's the, that's the problem. Micah, didn't Micah Parsons get injured? I saw I saw where he has a foot injury or something like if that. He wants to take off week one by all means. I yeah, mean, don't you know it's a long season. If Micah Parsons <laughs> needs a sit, by all <laughs> means, Micah, it's a, you got sixteen more games. Take a rest. Relax. I, I'm, I I don't know. I mean, I just I just saw something over on the Cowboys uh, Maven site. That, that you know maybe he might be questionable for week one I don't know it's it's still early but I did see he had some kind of I don't think Michael will miss that game Sunday night football I, I don't I can't see him no, missing it but I I know not being, at all the um, point being just getting back to Schmitz is they have thrown everything at this kid and you know he's very unflappable he's got such a great disposition nothing seems to bother him and you know what he's tenacious in there like you, you know, I've seen him give a little extra push here and there after the whistle, you know, just, just, I, I love what I see from this kid. I really do. And, you know, I, I was kidding with him the other day. I called him Bart Jr. Cause you know, I think I've told you that he reminds me of Bart Oates. I can see that. In, in the resemblance. I can plus see Bart Oates was a pretty good center. He so, was. you know, so, it, and he, he, he takes it in stride. He's cool with it, but but uh, I just absolutely love what I have seen from this kid. So mature. I mean, I know he's a little older than most rookies, but so mature and so unflappable. He doesn't get, you know, some guys will go, will, will just be like, oh, my God, if they get beat or so, yeah. they see some. Not this kid. 
cool as ice. I love it. I love it. Vegas I'm going to tell, tell you another kid who's not getting a lot of buzz. When I got a chance to watch back, you know, some of the, the film breakdowns that everybody does on Twitter, Jordan Riley impressed yes. me for, yes. for a seventh round pick. That guy, mm-hmm. he looked pretty good uh, for an mm-hmm. interior defensive lineman, especially a guy that's going to be a depth piece. Like, that guy looks like he has some talent to him, for, you know, for a guy that you got as late as we did in the draft. Patty, you know let me ask you this, Patty. I, I, yeah. Kind of not really off subject, but something a little different. Do you understand this? I, I wanted to do a video on this, and I just never did, and I, I'm probably not going to have time to do it. I don't understand. Again, PFF is what it is. You take it with a grain of salt. I don't really understand any of these ranking systems, power rankings. It's, you know, from – I don't know who makes these things. So, you know, they had – PFF did a – like the top five offensive guys for the Giants uh, for the, um, the uh, preseason game against the Lions. Then they had the bottom five guys. And the bottom, the, the fifth worst guy, I forgot who it was. He was ranked at like 51.5 was his PFF rating. Now, everything I read and everything that I saw, and again, I'm no, I'm just a fan, so whatever. He, it's just what I see. I'm not analytical, but I don't understand blocking schemes, and I'm not trying to break down film. I saw JMS was rated at 53.5, and I'm thinking to myself, everybody said that he was great. And I'm like, how is that? How is his rating of 53? And on the flip side, I saw a lot of people said Micah McFadden missed a lot of tackles. He didn't play well. He didn't do this, do that. He had a 90 PFF rating. So I'm confused. I'm I'm missing something. The the PFF system. You You know what, dog? PFF, I respect the work they do. Some of their stats are very useful. Their grades, however... I'm sorry, I have no use for them. Very little use for them because you they don't know the blocking scheme. They're just going off of what they see. And do you know how many times like they they'll they'll say, Oh, you know, uh Adoree Jackson blew a coverage. And then I'll go to Adoree and I'll say, Hey, Adoree, did you blow this coverage? And I'll say, No, it wasn't me, it was so and so. You yeah. they how you don't know the assignments. You know, it's the same thing with the offensive right. line. It might look like that, you know, Andrew Thomas gave up a sack when in fact. It might have been the running back that gave up the sack. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I take the grades with a grain of salt. And for what it's worth, I thought Schmitz played really well, all things considered. I think he had, what, 11 snaps, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. And Micah McFadden, I don't think he he played that badly either. I mean, he had the one stop. You know, I think he had a, a an assisted tackle from for two. The, the, the run went for two yards, which was, which constitutes a stop in PFF land. And I, I don't know. I, I I just don't go by the grades. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, just like, you understood, I go like, by the eye. No, I, I don't. And to this day, and I've asked them too. I've asked them. To, I, I said, how are you guys coming up with this? And they wrote out an, ex, you know, they have an explanation on their site. And I'm like, but you guys don't know the line calls and the assignments and stuff like that. So how can you grade somebody and say that, you know, this guy missed an assignment when in fact it might be somebody else? Yeah, I figured you you would know more than I would. No, I, I wish I had an answer. The but one confused me. I, I just the more and more I find pro football references stats to be a little because I think those are the stats the NFL uses, if I'm not mistaken. So the NFL's got a whole stat package. It's 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 really neat. There's there's this the media gets access to this um it's it's live game coverage 
and the stats are really detailed. I mean, we're talking yards after the catch. We're talking direction. They got some great, great charts and stuff like that. And it's just so much. I, I've been using that and also pro football reference a little bit more than pro football focus. I mean, I do, I still use PFF, but I just, you know, I've used that. I've used Jesus, NFL Jesus, the stats over there, which are also official league stats. So, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's a matter of opinion. I don't, I don't put a whole lot of stock in grades, power rankings and stuff like that. Look, I write about it, power rankings every week because it's an article and it's also fun to say, you know, oh my God, how could you put the giants below, you know, the Washington commanders or whatever, you know? So it's, it, it makes for a fun, you know, piece, but yeah, that, that other stuff I, I could do without. Another thing I wanted to ask you real quick. Um, Darian Beavers did not play. Was no. that coach's decision? Is he still nursing the ACL from last I year? Think, I think or they wanted to. Yeah, my understanding is they wanted to take a look at um, McFadden. Okay. And also it was also, you know, I mean, Beavers had been getting a lot of snaps. So that, that might have been like a rest day for him. He's been running with the first team. I know that. Been, they, uh, they both have. But, yeah. but Wink said this past week that McFadden is, is kind of in the lead. And I can see why. I mean, I, I can see why. I thought he was in the lead before training camp started, just based off what we heard at OTAs. Right. And then it seemed like Beavers took the lead again. But well, I think he, I, I've thought for a while I think it's going to be McFadden because he fits Wink's year. team so well in terms of being a blitzer. He, that, that's, what, that's when we draft him. That's all they exactly. said about him. He's a great exactly. blitzer at the middle linebacker position, and Wink wants that, especially in certain situations in the football game. So I think he's a really good fit for Wink's scheme. So that's Absolutely. where I was leaning. Yeah. I mean, they're both going to make the team, and I think they're both going to have a role on the defense as well as on special teams. But McFadden, I think, brings a little bit more to the table. And, you know, maybe it's just me, but when I look at him, I think he's a little quicker than he was last year. And, you know, part of that is, is again, year two in the system. So he's a little bit more comfortable with what he's doing, and, and he's playing faster. Yeah. Like, yeah when you're con I mean, I don't I talk about that a lot. I don't care. What do you do in life? You're gonna do it better when you're confident in yourself. You know, Absolutely. You I see. So, I see. Doug, that's a hot take in the chat. Yeah. I want to get. I want to get your surprise. It wouldn't shock me though. I'm not predicting it. Ryan yeah, Conley was Doug cut. Though. Nobody saw that up there. Yeah, Doug nobody saw Ryan be Conley being cut after his rookie year. We all loved him, right? So oh, I like Beavers. No, you, I don't you, want him to be know, cut. I, I like Beavers. You know too. who's going to be a cut amongst the linebackers? And this may or may not surprise y'all. I'm telling you now. I'd be stuck, stunned if this guy makes it from the linebackers. Cam Brown, last year's special oh, teams. Oh, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be coach. captain. Ma he, the only way he makes it is because of special teams, injuries. But yeah, or injuries. injuries. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say my guy. Maybe it's a surprise to some people. I don't know if it's considered a surprise or not, because he was a draft pick last year. So generally speaking, you don't cut a guy that quickly. I think DJ Davidson's going to get cut. DJ is that, is that a crazy take? No, he's gonna. This is what I think is gonna happen with him. I think he's gonna get cut and go to the practice squad. Yeah, they signed two veterans ahead of him, and Jordan Riley, and Jordan Riley. Pretty obvious to me that DJ Davidson's not making the fifty-three. I think they put him on the on the practice squad. Because here's the other thing: the later these guys come off a pup, the more likely you're gonna see them try to sneak them through to the practice squad. And the same holds true for McKethan. Um, who was just activated, what, last week or earlier this yeah, week? I forget exactly yeah, like when. Week, yeah. Things will run together for me. So he he's somebody, you know, I think if Wandale Robinson comes off 
pop and, and Dave keeps saying there's no timeline for him. He, I'm going to be interested to see what happens with him because he's somebody, I don't think they could slip through to the, to the, to the uh, practice squad. So I wonder if he's actually going to come off or if they're going to leave him on there. I mean, he, he looks like he's getting close, but I'm not a doctor. I can only go by what I tell. And then Aaron Robinson at this point, it's like, you know, and I like Aaron Robinson, but it doesn't I do seem too, like, but yeah, got to stay on the it's field. It's crazy though that he we're was injured early about, in the year. You think about how much better in terms of depth that this team has become in, in just two years. It's crazy that we're talking about cutting a, a guy like a DJ Davidson going into his second year with Dave Gettleman. These guys were starting day one. These fifth round draft pay like it's crazy that and and not just him. You look at the depth at the wide receiver spot. Not that we're super deep. We saw that on the offensive line, we're very thin, obviously. We saw that our first preseason game. We definitely are thin in a lot of areas. But to have any depth at all, I'm not used to it as a Giants fan uh, going into preseason, talking I about know. four or five guys that you're like, wow, I'm surprised that guy's probably not going to make the team. And that just goes to show you we're becoming a much better football team. The secondary might have a little bit more depth than I initially thought because yeah. of how well Trey Hawkins has played. And obviously, you got Banks on the other side where they're, you know, messing around with the Dory in the slot. I mean, and, and Pinnock was great. Uh, I mean, my Pinnock. God. You want to talk about winning the safety spot? <laughs> didn't I say, going back to the offseason, didn't I say that Pinnock was the guy they were eyeing to potentially replace Julian? I'm telling Hall? you, that He's guy. Crazy. Didn't I say I, that? And I, and I even went so far as to say that if the Giants didn't resign Julian Love, which I didn't think they would, that Pinnock was going to be first up. But look at what Shane did. Last year, he picks Pinnock up off the scrap heap. He picks Hodgins up off the scrap heap. Mm -hmm. And now he's getting Pinnock for pennies. This guy can play. This guy yeah. looks like he's a legitimate starting safety in the but NFL. Again, it was Hawkins' coverage that – on that inter first interception. Yes, absolutely. Like, when he goes on notice, he blanketed the receiver. It oh, was and by the way, Hawkins from a small school, Old Dominion. I mean, can we agree that Joe Shea, you know, just based on where Zemin is is from? Isn't Zemin is yep. also third round pick out of ODU? Yeah. yeah. I mean, can we agree that that Joe Shane this year really, you know, hit it out of the park with a lot of the moves he made? It's looking Those good, right? It's looking good right now. Yep. Looking good right now. I'm excited. I mean, we're going to get the real test in three weeks when we get underway, but I, I'll, I'll take my chances. I think the Giants are going to be better than people And oh, by the way, with the, with, with, the, with the salary cap, you know, getting Andrew Thomas signed, that's a that's huge because, huge. you know, that would have been a problem next year if you want to get Saquon or try to sign Saquon again. Um, now, obviously, you know, they, he was asked about McKinney. They're going to wait on McKinney. Because they're not going to get any kind of salary cap relief, even if they did McKinney now. So yeah. they're going to wait on that, and I, which I kind of figured would well, be. The case. And plus, Patty, be like, think about it from McKinney's perspective. What's his What's his incentive to sign coming off the year he had? He had he was injured. None. He's young. He knows if he has a big year, he's going to be worth eighteen to twenty million dollars a year. So, what's his incentive to to sign before the exactly. year? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I love how Shane shows patience. Yeah. He's been very patient. You know, last year, remember how everybody was screaming, oh, go trade for a wide receiver. Go trade for a wide receiver. Yep. What did he do? He held his water. And, oh, hey, hi, Isaiah Hodgins, you know? Yep. Hey, uh, let's get rid of one receiver and pick up Darren Waller. That was a good exactly. one. Too. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of wide receivers, Patty, have you heard uh, what the deal is with Colin Johnson? Like, I hadn't heard. I just know Colin, he kind of yeah. left it. 
he I has didn't, I didn't he has um a sprained knee i i want to say mcl it's not considered like long term but you know if it's if it is indeed the mcl like i heard that could be a you know a, a couple weeks or so so that stinks. I, I like him. I, I, I like the kid. I mean, it's not, it, you know, from what I understand, it's not season ending that they're, they're going to kind of just see how he comes through with rehab. It's yeah. a shame because he was having a good camp and he was having now, a great all sudden, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, now who do you, who, who are your receivers? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we can all agree. Hodgins, Campbell, Hyatt, um, Clayton, Slayton. Slayton. Okay, so that's Wandale. He's healthy. Yeah, but Wandale, I have a feeling they're going to put him on pop to start the year. I yeah, think yeah. that feeling. All right, so you've got four. If you're keeping seven, do you keep Shep? You're keeping Beasley. I think all signs point to their keeping. I was going to say, do you keep Shep or do you keep Beasley? Or both? I think Beasley's in the lead right now out of those two. Okay, Crowder, you probably don't keep. Because you, if, if Eric Gray is your, your return specialist. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. If, if Gray, yeah. if, if they designate Gray as being the return specialist, I agree. I don't think Crowder. kind of sound like that's what Dable wanted to do with him, too. Was All right. Yeah. So so let's see who else. You've got David Sills, who's who's Daniel Joy, Jones's, you know, buddy. No, he's you've out. Got, you've got Colin Johnson, who, who like I said, has been having a good camp. With injury, he's out. Yeah. You know, so who, who, are you, who are those bottom three receivers that you're going to keep? I think it's Beasley, Shep, um, Crowder, probably. Maybe I don't Crowder. Think Crowder makes it. Yeah, maybe they only go with six. Possible. I don't know about that. Who, who's your seven? Then? See, injuries is going to play a a, a factor because because remember Shep is still ramping up, but he should be good to go. But who's the other guy? Do you go with? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm just worried that Colin Johnson being injured again would we get him off the team. I just. I, I always envision how nice it would be to have a 6'6 guy down there with 6'5 Isaiah Hodgins and 6'6 Darren Waller. I mean, it would be nice to have that, you know, inside the 10-yard line package with a mobile quarterback and a Saquon Barkley. The, you know, there's a bunch of things you could do. Um, Gronk wants to come. <laughs> we, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you what. Week one, hot take, Patty. Because I think they're obviously going to change the roster week to week. Absolutely. Week one, I think we go six wide. Dallas, okay. we're, we're going to run a lot of twelve personnel. Yes. I, I think I think we throw an extra okay. tight end on the roster week I one. I was going to say, I was going to say that. I think we go six wide week one. So if you if you go four four tight ends, yeah, obviously Waller and Bellinger. You think you know Cager hey, probably sure. makes it. Who's your fourth guy? Is is it going to be Sweeney? Is it going to be Myrick? It's it, who, who's your fourth Sweeney, guy? Sweeney did have the touchdown. Myrick did I, not. Myrick. Well, I, I think it's going to be Sweeney. Yeah, I, I I would lean Sweeney too with his ties to Buffalo, um, but I I think week one if I'm leaning I think they go, I think they go extra tight end they go six wide against Dallas I, and then and then that might completely change week two. It, it's gonna you're absolutely yeah. right they're gonna swap guys in and out off the roster they always do in the beginning part anyway. Yeah, you know and then don't forget you know the the rosters become set that first week and then if you want to add guys and not have their salaries guaranteed you make the moves in week two. So that's yeah. going to factor it. And also, the other thing you got to remember is if you want to move anybody to the IR, you know, temporary IR to have them come back later, you've got to carry them on the initial 53. That's why, you know, when people say, oh, the final 53. No, it's not the final 53. It's the initial 53 because there's going to be moves made almost definitely. So yeah. and then with Pup, you know, assuming that, 
that, you know, if, if Wandale's not ready and Aaron Robinson aren't ready, it's now four weeks they've got to sit on PUP as opposed to six, which was in the past. So that's going to factor in. That's why I'm like, you know, I'm not so sure. Like when Shane said that Robinson within the next, I think he said within the next week and a half, and this was a week and a half ago, I was very surprised to hear that because I'm like, eh, that kind of throws a monkey wrench in the whole thing. Yeah. I, I also want to uh, point to what Mark said, by the way. I agree. They go with seven if Wandell's ready to go. I was speaking off what Patty said, and she said she doesn't think he's going to be ready to go. So yeah. if if Wandell is ready to go, I agree. That's the seven. Yeah, definitely. Um, but if he's I, ready to go. But, but Patty seems to think he won't be ready to go. So I mean, I, the longer I was, he sits, the longer yeah. he sits on, on – because remember, even if he gets activated off pup, say, tomorrow, which I don't think will be yeah. the case – they still got to ramp them up. Yeah. I mean, look at what they're doing with Shep. Shep is working every other day. You know? Shep, Shep looked good on that double move uh, against uh, the Hawkins, didn't he? I mean, Shep, it's one-on-one. Let me tell you every- something. Yeah. Shep has been working his butt off from, the, from almost from the time he had that surgery. Soon as he could, he, he, was, he was trying to push himself. He has been working his butt off. I mean, the trainers have to basically hold him back because he's so anxious. And he's like, okay, I know I got to listen to them. But you could tell he is hungry. He is really hungry to get out there. And well, I'm, you know I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm excited. I, and I, I tell you, what, one, one guy we haven't talked about that deserves mentioning, because he took a lot of crap from a lot of fans on Twitter when Slayton? training camp first got underway. No, no, this year. Deontay Banks. Deontay yes. Banks was very good in that first preseason game. Very and good. he was going up against a, a first-round wide receiver in Jamison Williams. He's no schlep. Mm-hmm. And he held his own. Uh he looked pretty damn good to me. He 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 ran stride for stride on one play. I think Nick Filato uh, had the the film breakdown where he he looked like he ran the route for the wide receiver, and then he came off of it and he tackled the tight end. Um, he had that one really good play on the deep throw to Williams, where Williams kind of had him beat, but showed great recovery speed, and then he got his hand in there to break up the play. Um, Banks looked impressive to me. Now he's gonna. We gotta realize his fans. He's going to struggle. Like he's gonna, I, yeah. I, I I guarantee you, week one. Dallas is going to pellet him with targets. He's well, going- let me let me ask you yeah. something. Let me ask you guys something. Wink said he would not be against playing two rookies, Banks and Hawkins, on the outside. I heard and 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 uh, Adoree down in the slot. How do you guys feel about that? That'd be tough against Dallas. I mean, you got Brandon Cooks and Ceedee Lamb, so you're they're going to get tested right away. But listen, Ceedee's that's down in the slot, so you know. Right. But the, the thing is, we have to understand that as good as Banks and, and Hawkins have looked, they're rookies, and they're going to get cooked. It happens. I mean, I always say I think that's the second most difficult transitional position for a collegiate player to move to the NFL, quarterback being number one, the cornerback being number two, because the wide receivers in the NFL, the catch radius is ridiculous. The route running is crisp. They're tall. They're fast. They're strong. And you can't touch and, them. And you have to react, right? You're you're the guy. You don't know the play. The wide receiver knows which route he's running. So it's all instincts, and it's all reactionary for the corner. And if you get beat, you got to have a, a short memory. Yeah. Got to forget about does. it because he otherwise does. that's going to mess you up if you let that play in your head. Oh, God, he beat me deep this time. I got to play off, and then they're just going to tear you up underneath. So you have to learn to adapt and adjust. So they're going to have times where they get beat. And if, you know, it happens week one, you can't be like, oh, God, DeAndre Banks sucks. D.D. Lamb, seven, you know, catches 112 yards. I mean, he's one of the best, you know. So our our corners, Chris has mentioned before, we're going against some pretty good wide receivers 
You name yes. it, we're going out. You, you Dallas, name it, you name it, top five receiver. We're playing them this year. We're playing yeah, them. San Fran, Miami, uh, Seattle, uh, the Raiders, even Devonte Adams. Like you name yeah. it, we're going up against it. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, but but would you? But you guys would be okay if if Wink decided. Okay, you know, I'm primarily going to run the two rookies on the outside and Adoree in the slot. You, although I still think the slot is going to be more of a committee approach. I, 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 I don't, yeah, I don't think Wink is going to run Adoree exclusively in the slot. Yeah, I don't think I, so either. Yeah, I, I think he's going to pick his, like week one against Dallas makes sense because CD plays a lot in the slot. So mm -hmm. that's that's their their guy. So if that's where they think CD is going to line up a lot, yeah, I could see him using Adoree there more than may, some people may think week one and testing the rookies. I also think against Dallas, because they don't have Zeke anymore, right? They're not built yeah. the same way. They're, I think the Giants are going to go for more speed on the field against Dallas week one. I think they're going to have the big fellas in the middle, of course, with that you know that sturdy interior defensive line. But I think you're going to see a ton of multiple, like extra DB sets. I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of Beavers, maybe a little bit of McFadden, like you, you said. See a lot of nickel and dime. A lot. I think you're going to see a lot more speed out there because you got to mm -hmm. worry about Pollard coming out of the backfield as a wide receiver. And like Bad Dog said, I mean, they got weapons all over the field. We just forget about Gallup. Gallup's a good wide receiver. Like, they have weapons uh, all over the field with that football team. So I think the Giants are going to have a bit more speed on the field defensively week one. Yeah, Noah Brown's not bad either. I mean, they they got a good – they got a good wide receiver core. I mean, they got they're, – they're – listen, Dallas, yeah, I make fun of them all the time because I hate the Cowboys. <laughs> and uh, Dak stinks. And, uh, yes, he does. And Tiki is better than Emmett Smith. I like to get that in every time I can. But <laughs> – <laughs> Tell but, us how um, you really feel, dog. I well, you don't want that, Patty. It'd be going on for an oh, hour. I really, but, yeah. you really, <laughs> really feel about the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, that's the Eagles. But Dallas is a really good team. I mean, you know, I think we did close the cap on them. We played them tough both games last year, and especially the you know the Thanksgiving Day game. We were up thirteen to six at halftime with half a team on a short week. Um, and then they just wore us down like a lot of teams did with that running game, you know, but that should not happen this year. That's why they went out there and they, they signed a Sean and they signed Nacho uh, to, to beef up that interior defensive line to give these guys a rest. So they're not getting pushed around at the end of the game. Game is at home. It's prime time. It's way more important to the Giants than Dallas. The Giants got to win this game. They have to. They have to get off to the start. Let the division go right away. We're here to play, guys. We can beat you because we haven't beat Dallas since 2020. That's and I don't think they played in that game when we beat them. And, you know, the Giants, Chris and I have discussed this a lot of times. If the Giants are going to take a step forward this year, it's being better within the division. We have to yeah. find ways to beat right. And if And if they win that game against Dallas, they, they're actually one and a half. Up on Dallas, if you think it about sets it. it sets the tone for the whole season, like the Titans really game last does. year. You you beat Dallas at home. Suddenly the team starts to say, "We've closed the gap." You know, now we've now we've shown we can compete within the division. You get an opponent the next week where we should destroy them, in my opinion, the Arizona, and you're looking at more than likely a two and zero start. So if if you beat Dallas, I mean. This team's their their head's going to be through the roof. They're going to be ready to go. Bad Dog talked about building confidence. It's going to be built in a big way Ooh, if big the Giants time. cannot go up the Dallas Cowboys week number one. I mean, hey, yeah. you make a good point. Divisional games are like one and a half games. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really what they're worth. So yeah. to get off to that kind of start, to have the winning record in the division. Now remember, the Giants did not spend one day over five hundred from two thousand seventeen through two thousand twenty one. They didn't spend one day under it last year. 
So we we don't want to be back under there. This first game is – I know it's game one, and I know it's a long season, but it is, to me, of optimal uh, importance <laughs> to win this game. They have to win this game. They have to let everybody know on a national stage, you know what? You can talk about a quarterback. You can say we got lucky last year. Oh, it was just Minnesota. The defense stinks. You go on the national stage and you beat your division rival in front of everybody to see, people are going to start taking you more seriously. It's something the Giants got to do. The Giants believe in themselves. Now the Giants got to make believers out of other people. That, that's what yeah. I said. Yeah, and, and you know what? Even, you know, I talked earlier about how Daniel's walking around with a little bit more swagger to him. You know who else is walking around with a little bit more swagger? At least that. Avon. Well, besides him, I'm not. I, I was thinking. He had it last year. Staff, I know, I know. Kafka and Wink. I see a lot more swagger coming out of those guys. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, they've got this big surprise that they're going to drop on Dallas for know. opening night and they can't wait to unveil it. You know, I'm telling they, they you, I, on the Cowboys. maybe I'll you know? be a fool. I like our chances week one. I've said it since the schedule came out. I I trust our coaching staff a lot more than Dallas's, especially with the continuity coming back. Mm-hmm. And you give Dable two, three months to prepare. I'm telling you, the Giants are going to come out with a good game plan. I like our chances week one. I think we're getting off to a one-on-one start. I really believe and, that. And if Daniel Jones, if he has time, which is a big if, Trayvon Diggs, you can beat him with double moves. They, they take a while to run. But he's very aggressive corner, and you can certainly use that against him. But again, you got to give Daniel Jones the pocket to throw to. Yeah. So you know, Paris Campbell's a guy that's run very fast. Slayton's very fast. Hyatt's a just like I said, he's got a jetpack up his behind. I mean, that kid can <laughs> lie. He really can. Do you, so, do you not love how he splits the coverage? He's just so fast. Oh my. Goodness. And, you know, that kid's playing with, with a lot more confidence now, too. You know, because when he first came in, you know, he was kind of confidence. And some people I know said, oh, he's he's cocky. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I wouldn't say cocky. He was confident. And then the confidence kind of got muted a little bit. And then all of a sudden he started making these great plays. And, and you could just see it. And he's he doesn't act like a rookie, if that makes sense. You know, he, he's, he's very confident and, you know, just he, he's not. He, he just doesn't act like a rookie, if no, you know what I mean. No. He's got confidence. I love it. I mean, Chris and I both wanted to draft him. Didn't think he'd, we'd get him in the third round, which was no. amazing. <clears throat> but I liked him from day one. And one thing I really liked about him is he has really good taste. He had a nice Burberry bag. I said, yep, that's my guy. Because <laughs> you know, I love Burberry. And my wife got me into that. This guy knows his fashion sense. On a quick glance, does he remind you of Evan Ingram on a quick glance physically? Yes, just more slender. On a quick glance. Yeah, a little bit. His hairstyle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Where do they get the questions? I know you're on Instagram. So where do they get the questions for these guys? Like, would you rather be in a room full of spiders or snakes? Oh my or god! Would you, you rather have about would you want hair, hair for teeth? teeth or teeth for hair? That was funny. Was, uh, that that I, one was easy. Other, I, I didn't. I didn't write anything. Hair for me, of yeah, course. you could shave it. Hair mouth. You could Bro. shave it. Nobody wants hair for teeth. <laughs> yeah, oh you wear a hat, or you could shave, shave the teeth off. But those are funny. I'm like, where? Where are oh, they? You know? Well, the other one, the, the, the one that I, that grossed me out was, have you ever peed in a pool? It's <laughs> like, are well, you I didn't see that one. Guilty. Guilty. I mean, everybody's done that. Never did. Never. 
Never. Good for you. Good for you. Guilty. No, you know, it's Guilty. funny. Because when I was young, <laughs> we used to have a pool when I was young. And if I had to go to the bathroom, my father was like, get out of the pool now so you can try off. Because my mother wouldn't let me walk That's the why house. you leave the pool when you're a kid. I want to get out and try. Yeah, I, I, I was. But my brother, I know, did. I was like, how come he gets to do it? And I don't. And they're like, no. because you're a girl, it's gross. I'm like, okay, whatever. But uh, yeah, some of the, some of those questions that they ask, they're the other one that I love. Creative. I, I loved. Would you rather eat a jar of mayonnaise or a, a handful of sand or whatever it was? I was like, sand all day. I mean, when Daniel sand? Jones, oh god, mayonnaise is. Nah. Well, mayonnaise yeah, isn't sand. too bad. I would eat sand all day over mayonnaise. Ugh. I Definitely. would rather not eat. Either, but well, that was what they said. I don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I would much rather choose neither. Uh, I'd probably pick sand too, though. I can't I'll do it. Can't do it. You know what? We we got we got to we got to send them some suggestions from from this chat. You know how we talk That's about right. favorite pizzas and you know right. favorite dishes and stuff like that. The good stuff, right, guys? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, right. like, would you rather have a, a a cannoli or a bear claw? And the answer is cannoli. Oh, bear claw. Oh, fair <laughs> claws. Daddy, that's I right. like fair claws. What can I say? No, I don't like, I don't like the, the, the stuff, the filling in cannolis. I'm sorry, but I like Zeppelis. Zeppelis are great. They're not cannolis. Daddy, you disappoint me. You're my girl. You don't like cannolis. I mean, how can we continue this? I, I don't like the Patty, I love you. I, I, I've had a great time doing the show with you for the last couple of years or whatever it's been, but I'm not coming back next week. Daddy. You don't like cannoli? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't like the filling. I'm sorry, but I don't like the cheesecake. So are you are you a uh, a texture person when it comes to food? Is that are you a person that's bothered by texture? Because some people are like no, that. not really. I I go by taste, and also I just don't like a heavy a heavy. You know, to me, the cannoli heavy. filling is very heavy, is very heavy. thick. It's kind of like having. Cake with fondant, fondant topping or, or the icing, you right. know that 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 icing. Blech. Give me buttercream all day, every day. Bill said no cannoli, unfollowed and blocked. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Italian too. My grandmother's. I know. In her brain going, what are you talking about? A kid won't even try it. Like it's so. Actually, no. I, I we went to. Uh, I took my mom out to uh, Delmonico's. We took my mom out. Delmonico's is a. I don't. Did they have those down in the city, Chris? Yeah. I know they have in Florida. They have yeah, they do. They do. Okay, yeah. so we went to Delmonico's, and I get the the cannoli's big uh, there. It's big, quite frankly. Um, and you know, um, I actually had Kevin actually would taste it. Like I get him here, and he will not touch them. But he did, and I was like, my wife's like, this, this, or this, and he's like, but then he wouldn't have any more. Like, what? Do, all right, I got, I got, I got another one for you, Patty. Italian dessert. Napoleon, you like Napoleon? Yes. Dynamite, love them. Good. Yes. Good. Good. Yes. I I like a lot of Italian food. Come on, I'm Italian by, but you know that's my heritage. I'm just yeah. not a big, I'm just not a big, you know, cannoli fan, and I'm also not a huge. I I, 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 fan. I I respect it. I'm disappointed, but I respect it. I respect yeah, it. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, my husband loves sweet Italian sausage. I don't care for it. Okay. But I like meatballs, obviously. I like the, the what, what's that meat called? The Brajol? Uh, Brajol, yes. 
you know, I make a great lasagna. I make a, I make some great Italian dishes myself, but you know, you always have for dinner. She had lasagna, which we don't usually get lasagna. I mean, yeah. I make a real. That's how I get my vegetables in because I chop them up real small. So I put in carrot, <laughs> zucchini, because other, otherwise I won't eat that stuff unless they're really cut up small. I know I'm. I'm not as bad as Ryan Dunleavy. Ryan Dunleavy's got weirder eating habits. Yeah, I, I, I forgot what it was. I saw what did he post that he's never had. What was it again? Salad. No, it wasn't that. that. That's weird. But that was, I saw it recently, like a day or two ago. I can't remember what it was. And I was like, what the hell? Well, I know a day or two ago, he was he was talking about movies he hadn't seen. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Maybe yeah, that's he hadn't seen Airplane and, and I think Naked Gun were the two. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Movies. For Which, an older you know, person. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, maybe he's got some he's got some uh, unusual eating habits or preferences. Well, Michael K for the Yankees announcer. The guy won't eat an egg and he doesn't like ketchup <laughs> he eats hot dogs with no condiments on them like if i'm eating a hot dog i need as many condiments on that thing as i can get on it to get yeah. on yeah so. hot hot dogs are my husband likes them i'm not as big of a fan unless they're dunked in something but yeah the Italians, guys we'll get back to the giants in a minute <laughs> actually speaking, actually, of, speaking of italian how about Tommy DeVito? Tommy D. We'll talk about him. I got to take a quick break, guys. I got to take a all commercial right. break. When we come back, we'll put aside the food because we're all getting hungry here. So yeah, now right. if you want to go run into the kitchen and get something now. So I'm going to go get some Brazil. I'll be back. We're going to be right back, guys. Hey, Giant fans. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising one's sexual health. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of the men showed improvement in their hair after six months of taking Nutrafol's men's hair growth supplements. So go to Nutrafol.com men to take their hair health wellness quiz. Identify the causes of your thinning hair and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. And for a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off their first month subscription and free shipping when they go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code Lothon NFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. That's spelled Nutrafol, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. And that website is Nutrafol.com slash men with the promo code Lothon NFL for your special offer. I feel like that was directed towards me, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what, Patty. Next time you do a commercial about gray hair, it'll be directed towards me. <laughs> you know, it's funny. They're a new sponsor of ours. They just they just came on board um, this week, and it's and we've we've got some great new sponsors, by the way. I'm locked on, so I'm really excited about them. But anyway, welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Locked On Giants, a.k.a. the Food Channel, which we're going to put the food <laughs> stuff away for now. But, uh, guys, you know, th- you, you mentioned Tommy DeVito before yeah. we took the break. 
And I have a question for you that I want to run by you. So last week, we all know Tommy DeVito, he looked pretty good, all things considering. But he was going up against, you know, second, third, third team. So yeah, here, yeah. here's my question. I'm not, and I'm not trying to disparage him, but here's here's the question. A lot of people are going gaga and thinking, oh, wow, you know, great, great and whatnot. So when you have guys going up against second, third team, 14 guys that maybe won't even be on an NFL roster in the spring, how do you kind of like, I guess, grade on a curve or do you grade on a curve when saying, okay, you know what, this guy might be worth keeping, even though he went up against second, third, fourth string guys. Yeah, you know I mean, mean? We, we went through the same thing last year with Webb. Like, you had some fans that were like, because Webb had a great preseason, and you had some fans acting like, oh, Webb, Webb should be the backup. You even had some fans before the year started saying, Webb might be better than Daniel Jones. I heard it, believe it or not. It did happen <laughs> um, during the preseason. So I think a lot of people put way too much stock into preseason football. Um, especially when you factor in exactly what you said. He's not going up against first-teamers. He's not going up against second-teamers. The majority of the guys that DeVito was going up against were guys that won't be playing in the NFL this year, if we're being honest. Um, but what I will say, uh, what, what stood out to me for DeVito and what I respected, and I definitely think he um, earned probably the QB3, which we know in the league now this year with the new rules, they're going to carry three quarterbacks. I, I think he was on the bubble for that because if he looked bad, like a lot of people were saying going into that game, he probably gets cut and we pick somebody else up. I think after the performance he had, he played really well. When you factor in the, the circumstance, we couldn't block to save our lives in that game. And he stood in the pocket tough, man. He definitely showed he had some toughness and he made a couple of good plays. So I was happy for him because I think he probably cemented himself as the QB three for this team. Do I think he's going to pass Tyrod Taylor as the backup? No, but hey, you never know. Maybe he develops into a long-term backup, which would be great. Um, you get a backup for a much cheaper price long term. Obviously, we're paying Tyrod, I think, $6 million, which is like more than half what we're paying Saquon. So if you get a guy for really cheap to be the backup for Jones long term, that'd be great, whether it's DeVito or somebody else. But, yeah, I, I thought it was a really good preseason performance, but I don't put too much stock into it in terms of him as as a player. What I saw from DeVito, and, and look, I'll be the first to admit, you know, in the springtime, and even early summer, I thought, uh, this guy, he holds the ball too long. Yeah. He's overshooting targets. He didn't stand out to me. He's, he, he's gotten better. I'll give him that. He's calmed down. He's, he's, you know, was more on point. And again, you take into consideration the level of competition he's going against. But in terms of, you know, my own, the way I evaluate, I say, okay, Yes, Tommy DeVito is maybe we could say third string quarterback. He was going up against second string defense and he was looking good. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of like, you know, like with Trey Hawkins. When Trey Hawkins was in college, small program, was he a man amongst boys when when on the field? So that's kind of what I look for. And you know, I look, I was encouraged by the performance DeVito showed. Um I don't know, is, is he necessarily ready to go up against, say, the Jets' first-team defense? I don't know about that, but no, find no. out you know, find out what you got in him because now is the time to experiment. Now is the time to see what you've got and not be afraid. You know, the one thing I will say about Dable, he doesn't coach scared. You know, like I, I sit here and, you know, I'll say, don't put Dory Jackson back there on punt return or don't do this or don't do that because, don't run Daniel Jones up, you know, on power runs because I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I'm thinking something bad's going to happen. 
But Dable's like, you know what? I'm not coaching scared. If that's what's best, if that's what's going to help us win, I'm doing it. And, you know, I'll deal with the fallout later. Yeah, I mean, he. I think we learned that game one last year when he went for two points. He said, mm-hmm. I'm not going for a tie. I'm going for the win right now. And if we lose, it's on me. But I also think that gave the team a lot of confidence. They said, wow, this coach actually believes in us. You know Joe Judge wouldn't have done that. So, no. you know, I mean, that's the type of thing. I think Dable coaches, you know, outside the box. Joe Judge did a lot of talking about mm. what he was going to do. But then it seemed like when that time actually came, he did the opposite. Where Dable – you know, I pretty much told you what he's going to do. And when he says something, he, he does it. So, you know. Judge often second-guessed himself right, at the yeah. end of the day. He second-guessed himself. And, you know, when things went astray, he just took on more than I think he was capable of handling. Instead of, you know, banding together with the coaching staff and saying, okay, guys, let's figure out what the heck we're doing here and how we're going to get out of this rut. He felt like he had to get everybody out of the rut. And, you know, that's, that's why, you know, I, w- I was talking to somebody, uh, one of my colleagues on, on the sideline during one practice, and we were talking about how Joe was just not ready in retrospect to be a head coach because, you know, being a head coach is you know when you've got to delegate and you also know when you've got to take it on your shoulders. And Dable, even though this is his first time being a head coach, he seems to have a good balance with that. He's, so, he's himself. He's confident in he's himself. Exactly. He's um, not Belichick. And here's the other thing. He's not yeah. Belichick. He's not Saban. He's himself. But he learned from them. But he learned from them. And he, he, and he learned and he from them. It. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, we look at McAdoo, for example. McAdoo basically grew up, if you will, as a coach under McCarthy for, for how many years? Um, Judge grew up, if you will, under Saban and Belichick, all from that same line. Dable was with Belichick and with Saban, but he also, of course, as we know, was with McDermott. Yeah, he was all over. And and he was all, I think he was with the Jets. He was with the the Jets. Jets. He was with the Jets when they had Favre. He was with Miami. Yeah, he was all over. He was all over. So so Dable had an opportunity to see different ways to do things and pick up a little bit here, a little bit there, and blend that all into who he is. And that was key you know that i think that was that's one of the most underrated elements and why you know the giants maybe went for him because they didn't get themselves a belichick clone they didn't get themselves a saban clone you know they got a guy who had had experience moving around the league and you know that's what they needed yeah yeah and i just think the vibe he brings to the team uh you could tell the players buy into him and you and you're starting to see Absolutely. players go out of their way to want to play here, right? You, you are. You, you're starting to see players take probably a little bit less money than – we saw Rob Gronkowski today, and he's obviously not playing at all, okay? He's going to stay retired. But he said the only coach – and and he he was never his head coach, by the way. Uh, he was part of the staff, and I guess Rob had a bit of, you know, knowledge of him that way. But – he said the only coach that he would come back and play for in the NFL right now or consider, or if he was going to consider, would be Brian Dable. Yeah. Um, Justin so, Pugh wants to come back. Justin yeah, Pugh wants to come back. So, like, you're seeing players. Yeah, people want to Landon Collins last year wanted to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Dable is the real thing, guys. I mean, I, I think you all see it, but what you see is what you get with Dable. 
And, you know, he's, he's just, I find him an absolute trip. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, a real, you know, a, a quick story. Um, this summer I had, I had a couple of um, young writers, they, the students that needed like on-site experience for their college courses. So I brought them in, you know, separate times. And I brought this one kid in um, who got, you know, Dave, I wanted them to both meet Dable, but unfortunately mm -hmm. one kid didn't. And then the other kid did. So the one that did, I caught Dable coming off the podium uh, before practice. And I said, Hey, Dave's, I said, I, I'd like you to meet, you know, Andrew. He's one of my, my young writers that is, is here for college credit, yada, yada, yada. And I said, Oh, by the way, he's a Penn Stater. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Dable just absolutely, he spent like about five minutes with the kid. The kid was sitting there. He was like, so he was like, you know, and he was just so amazed at the whole, you know, process. And, this is what Dable's like. He's he's yeah. he's very approachable. You know, you can joke with him. The other day in the presser, for example, I don't know if you guys caught it or not. The, the first question, rare uh, rare of me to ask this, but I asked about the injuries. I said, "Do you have an update on the injuries?" He goes, "Yes, I do." And then he looked at me and he smiled and he said, "Would you like to hear it?" If that, <laughs> I, I wonder. If oh, that yeah, is and, and and I don't know if you got a uh, chance like, to watch yes, the. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Boomer interview, which Boomer is whatever. He's clickbait. But uh, Boomer and Geo, Dable is just like, he's making me crack up. Like, you you could just tell. Like, he was, he he's just himself. He's not he's not a guy that plays to the cameras. He not, he's not a guy that has this fake persona. He's a guy that you would love to have a beer with. And, yep. and, and, and he's a guy that and obviously knows what he's talking about. Amazing guy just just pointed out Cole Beasley came out of retirement to play for Dable. There you go. There's another one. Yeah. Yep. So so the list grows because this yeah. guy, you know, he he really means it when he says, you know, going to do what's best for the players, for the organization. I mean, what a difference in the culture. Yeah. The Giants, um, the last uh, practice that was open to the public. They, they actually had like a carnival, like a mini carnival for all the players and their families. They did, they did a lot more like, you know, cookouts and special things for, you know, the families. Yeah. You didn't see that before. I mean, yeah. you, you saw some of it, but not like this. Another guy, Ashawn Robinson came out Aishan and said, Robinson. They, they asked him why he came to the Giants. He said, because I see what they were building here. I, I see what they're building here. I see what, what they're going to, where they're trending. Um, you could tell they're starting to get a lot more respect around the league. It's, Absolutely. It's and it's yeah, just crazy. The media might not notice it, but the players do. That's, that's all that really matters. Yeah. yeah. I was doing a reaction. I do reactions of the like the interviews in the live streams that I do. And um, I just – somebody asked him, but somebody asked Abel about injuries, like anything new on the injury front. And he just went, nope. That was it. Oh, you're talking about today? Well, no, it wasn't today. It was it was a couple of days ago. He just he's been nope. That was it. That was all he's you, you can kind of tell there's there's certain times like like again, going back to the question I asked when I said, do you have an update on the injury report? And he said, I do. And then he said then he smiled and he says, Would you like to hear it? And I was like, Yes, please. You know, as opposed to just saying, Yeah, I do, and just moving on to the next question, you know. So I think sometimes it depends on the person asking or how he's asked. I, I mean, I don't want to talk for the man, obviously, but but uh, he, he what you see is what you get with him. Just yeah. really is, and you you can you can kind of tell if you watch him on the podium. You can kind of see what I'm talking about. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, somebody, uh, somebody asked Daniel Jones, I think it was yesterday. They, they said, oh, uh, do you have any like extra motivation playing against the Panthers because it was your childhood team? Like, yeah, you grew up I saw that. Why are they? I'm like, why did he ask that? And they're like, when you were growing up, did you ever envision yourself being quarterback of the Panthers? And I'm sitting there going, how? I'm like, what kind of questions? I'm like, listen, a home team or not, I'm like, no disrespect to Carolina, but I'm pretty sure if you're a football fan, you don't sit there at 11 and go, God, I really envision myself being the quarterback of the. You know, Panthers. you know what the, you know what I think the problem is, dog. And I, I don't want to speak for anybody. This is just my own observation. There are some people that feel they have to ask a question every single day, every single presser, regardless if it's good. You know, I I prescribe to quality over quantity. So there are days that I will ask, and there will be days that you won't hear my voice at all. And you know, the days that I do ask, a lot of times I've actually got that question in mind before I even get to the to the presser. Very right. rarely do I just does something just pop into my head, and do I just spit it out? It was I just have a, it written it was down. I didn't I didn't get it because they might not play. I mean, who's saying he's playing? I'm sure they will. But there's no guarantee Daniel Jones is even going to play. So, you know, they did ask him that. I did, you know, and he said, well, because they said, you know, Coach Dable. And, and you know, he's not, he's not BSing. I don't think he's BSing when he says, look, we don't know. We're going to talk about no, it. No, I, I don't either. Well, I'm not. I, I, but my, that's what, what I was saying is he said, you know, Coach said we're going to play, but he didn't say when. So right. it might not even be in this game. It might be in the third game. Who, who knows? Right. So why, why they asked that question about him playing against Carol? When they play him during the regular season, they put him during the regular season last yeah. year. They could ask it last year. Right. It's just a weird question. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I understand everybody's got different, you know, purposes for what they want to ask. So I don't want to be critical of anybody, but, you know, I, I, I can only speak for myself. I can only speak for myself and how I approach it. And a lot of times, I would say nine times out of 10, if I'm asking something, it's something I've written down before I've even gotten to the facility. Something that I thought about because I'm not going to ask an, a question that I know the answer to. That to me yeah. is just, you know, I'm not in TV. I don't need the soundbite. I get it. TV reporters need the soundbite. You know, what would a win mean to you? Okay, duh. What do you think a, mean would, a win would mean, you know? But that's how I approach it. So, you know, some people just, like I said, it's for some people it's, it's quantity over quality. I try to do quality over quantity. That's just me. I'm not, again, please don't think I'm being critical of anybody. That's just my approach. So, all right, guys, I got to ask you something about Saquon. We haven't spoken about Saquon, which might be a good thing, might not be, but Saquon's kind of had, I don't want to say a quiet camp, but because he's made plays and he's looked good, Mm -hmm. but he's really dialed in probably as much, if not more so, than I recall seeing him ever in any camp. Yeah. What has been your take? I know we haven't seen him in the game yet, but what's been your takeaway based on, you know, what you've seen, what you've heard, just mm-hmm. the whole way this this scenario with him kind of unfolded, you know, with him coming in, at, which was a surprise to everybody. What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think obviously Saquon did – well, his only choice was at that point. I mean, his other choice would be to hold out, but there was a no-win situation. And I think he realized this that's only going to hurt my image. Um, I know that there's life after football, you know, so I think he, 
he, he came in appropriately. Um, he looks good now, looks like a team guy. And I think Saquon this year, obviously provided he stays healthy, which for him is a big if, you know, for being honest. Last year, he got a huge workload, more work, a bigger workload by far than he's ever gotten. Take into account, he played 16 games and then he played two playoff games and he got a ton of wear and tear last year. So we'll see how he responds this year. He's never been through a workload like that and he's had injuries in the past. But I'm going to tell you what, Saquon Barkley this year, if he's on the field, I think he's going to be used a little bit less in terms of frequency because I think they're going to throw more. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to have a little bit more of a running back by committee approach, but he's going to have more big plays because he's going to be more rested throughout the game. And now you have more players to worry about. Saquon has never had that in his entire career outside of his rookie season for about eight or nine games with Odell Beckham. He's never had another guy that the opposing defense had to worry about. And you tack on, you got to worry about Daniel Jones's legs. So if the Mm -hmm. defense has to game plan for all these different facets, Saquon Barkley is going to be a bit more rested because I don't think they're going to run him into the ground this year. He's going to have a lot of 20 plus yard plays. I think Saquon Barkley is going to be, more explosive this year because he's going to have more opportunity uh, just based on what the opposing defenses are going to have to, you know, focus on. It's not going to just be Saquon because if you put eight in the box, Darren Waller is going to kill you. You put eight in the box, you're not, you can't cover Darren Waller. Believe me. So, and the fact that I think more defenses now are going to have to pay attention to Daniel Jones's legs than they've done in the past based off the way that Brian Dable used him. I think explosive plays this year for Saquon. I really do. I think Saquon, I mean, he wants to get paid. So yeah. he didn't like the way things happened this offseason, you know, whoever's fault that was. But I think this year, Saquon, it's all business. I mean, this is business. You know, he swallowed his pride. He, he took the tag. He came in. I didn't like we talked about. It. I didn't think he'd be there. We, well, I thought he would sign the very last minute because that was the only leverage he had. But, again, you people have talked about his character. He proves it time, you know, time and again. He's a high-character guy, wants to help the team win. He's a team-first guy. So, you know, I think he wants to go in there, have a big year, and just say, okay, somebody's going to give me some money. You know, come on, guys. I do this for you. Do it for me. But I think he wants to go out there and prove that, you know, they need me. You know, they need me to to be that guy. And like Chris said, I think you're going to see bigger plays from him because you're not going to have to rely as heavily on him as you did last year, not just because of Darren Waller and you added some outside speed, but Daniel Jones' confidence level, second year in this system, I think you're going to see them stretch the field more, which defenses aren't going to be able to just stay, you know, in a 10-yard area and just say, well, we ain't got to worry about these guys getting behind us. We ain't got to worry about the tight end being a weapon in the middle of the field. We're just going to stuff the box. We're going to run blitz and all this other stuff just to stop him and say, okay, Richie James, you beat us. Um, so I think Saquon's just, it's a business, a businessman, a businessman, easy for me to say a businessman like approach. I'm glad that it's been quiet, no distraction. And I think Saquon could have another big season. I really do. Yeah. I yeah. could see Saquon having a similar year in terms of total yardage, but with maybe 40 or 50 less touches. Like I, I think yeah. he's going to have less touches, but he's going to have bigger plays this year. That's I expect good, more with less. That's a good point you raised, Tana, because I've always said, I've always been of the belief that the Giants were going to scale back his his role a little bit, just his touches, yeah. maybe take, take away third down duties and give that to, I don't know, Brita or Eric Gray if he proves he can do that. 
But the thing about Saquon, you know, everybody looks at his rookie season and he had what 91 receptions, but a lot of them were check downs. Yeah. Now you kind of see in training camp, you see him lining up in the slot, you see him split out wide, you see him, you know, all over the place. And what's interesting is that in the past, we would see some of that stuff in the spring, but it would never make it over to training camp and then into the preseason. We see it now in training camp, you know. And, the, and, and everybody Lincoln, forgets so about, you know, obviously they about Saquon, Patty. No, nobody's talking about Saquon. It's that, like he's the forgotten player on the team right now. That's because scary. Of all the other and and that's good because, like of you said, now they, you know, it, 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 I call it the Odell sy- syndrome. Remember when Odell was the offense and it was only Odell, and yep. that was the only people, the only guy that that you know opponents had to worry about. Well, for a few years, Saquon was the only guy that they had to worry about. Now, mm-mm, worry about Waller, worry about Paris Campbell, worry about Jalen Hyatt, worry about Saquon, worry about Daniel Jones, worry about Darius Slayton. The list goes on and on. I mean, how cool is this, guys? How and cool I, is I, and, Mel- and Melvin continues to hit it on the head, Melvin. If you watch my channel, you know. I agree. The O line has to perform. What you could you could add thirty more exclamation points to that. Keep all the words capital. I'm with you, but I'm it's preseason. You're not going to ruin my mood. I'm thinking about what this offense could be if that offensive line becomes even close to average. Because I'm going to tell you what I've said it and I believe it. The New York Giants possess the best running duo in the NFL. And that's Saquon Barkley, and that's Daniel Jones. And when you add these weapons in the pass game to that, that's only going to enhance that strength for more big plays. This offense could be really good. I think a lot of people are sleeping on this offense, but I agree with you, Melvin. The offensive line is the key. It's always been the key. It will always be the key. Absolutely. Big time. Big time. I mean – a lot of question marks. I mean, is there a point in time, in, in, in your opinion, that you would like to see this unit, this offensive line unit, settled, the same five guys, and just let them keep working together and, and, and just get rid I, of I this rotation? Like, I, I don't know if you saw Bobby Johnson. You probably did because you're there. Bobby Johnson, I saw a video today. His response was he was kind of like passive when he when they when they were asked if, if they were going to kind of implement a rotation this year at the guard position. And I was like, I don't like that. You know, I I want these guys to get in there, get a set role. I do at one point want to see Azudu get implemented into the offensive line because he is young. You want to see him grow. But from within games, I, I don't want to see musical chairs. We saw I that with either. Joe Judge. I couldn't stand it. When yeah. you do that, that means you don't know who your guy is. You can't build continuity. That's you, so you important with an exactly. offensive line. I mean, who, you know? who, well, let me ask you, what would be your ideal offensive line based on what you've seen and what you know so far? I, I think you go with the veterans to start the year at the guards. I think so, you go so with. So you're Bre- saying Bredesen at left guard, Lewinsky at right guard. Yeah, I think you go with Bredesen and, okay and with, with Schmitz at center. Yeah, and then and Neil and, the and, and Thomas yeah. as your tackles. Yeah, I think that's you, what I what I expect you, them to go with. What about you, dog? I agree. I, I think you got to go with the, especially with a rookie center. I, I think yeah. it's best to have some, you know, the veterans around him. Um, yeah, that's another thing. I don't, I think that's a big upgrade at center. So you kind of, the guards are the biggest question. And of course, Evan Neal, I mean, Evan Neal has got to get better. I definitely think he will, but he's got to stay healthy. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. And, you know, he's going to need his confidence because when you mention him, he's obviously, if he's you know worried about a stance or he's twitching here, too tall, too short, whatever it is, 
Uh, if he's out there thinking, you know, about a stand, he's going to get beat because that's how fast it happens in the NFL. He just needs to play football. But, um, yeah, I would, I would definitely just go with the, with the veterans to start. And if they're really bad, then maybe you try something else. But um, All right. I let, think me, let me ask. Let me ask you because I'm seeing this question showing up a lot in the chat. Would you sign Justin Pugh, knowing that Justin Pugh is probably going to yeah. cost a little bit more than Ben Bredesen? Yeah. Would you? So would you sign Pugh to to play left guard? I mean, provided that we bring him in for a physical and they think he's, you know, he fits. Yeah, and they think he could help the team. Yeah, um, I think he's a guy that brings a little bit of offensive line versatility as well. He's been a successful lineman in the league, and we need all the help we could possibly get. In terms of depth, I mean, my God, did you see the performance last night from the uh, last week, rather from the depth of this line? So, yeah, I'd be. I mean, he's not a guy I want starting probably, but he's definitely a guy that I think could help in terms of being, you know, a, a depth piece on the offensive line, a guy that could step in if there's some injuries and could play multiple positions. So, right, yeah, and I'd if be, he's willing I'd be, to I'd come in on a veteran it. minimum, yeah, I'd be all about Justin Pugh on, uh, for the yeah. right price in the right situation. Yeah. Yeah, but but you wouldn't start him over, say, Ben Bredesen at left guard. No, because the, we talk about continuity. These guys have now been working together for well over a month. You, you They're starting to build this. I don't want to just throw Pew into here, who has not been in camp at all, and just be like, oh, yeah, you're starting. with No, 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 no. For me, <coughs> I still want to go with the guys we talked about right. to start the year. Yeah. So you guys, so, so are you down necessarily on Matt Parrott, for example? I mean, we know Corey Cunningham is is – not going to be on this roster. We know Wyatt Davis was playing out of position. Tyree Phillips is still de still dealing with a, a leg injury. All right, I thought he was going to be like the, the you know the the guy the swing tackle. So I I mean, how do you feel about Matt Parrott and the and what you've seen from him? I'm a, I'm not a Parrott guy. I I would like to see him get an opportunity maybe to transition to the guard, even though he's obviously not built like a guard. He's huge. But I'd like to see if maybe he could do something there. But to me, Parrot has always been built like Tarzan, plays like Gene. Like, that's that's been the M.O. with him. And he's just never lived up to what we were hoping for as fans when we drafted him. The long arms, you know, the athletic, you know, profile. He just has never lived up to that. And uh, yeah. I, I personally would prefer Phillips as the swing tackle as opposed to Parrot. I'm not. I'm not sold on Parrot at all. And, I don't, and, at and all. of course, and of course, you know, Phillips before his injury, he was playing some at guard because that, that was something that he played when he was with the Ravens. So, you know, I, I thought, oh, wow, you know, th this guy clear lock for the position. And then, of course, that leg injury popped up. But, you know, Parrot, they, they like him. They say they like him. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're just saying it just to be nice or whatever, but, you know, he's getting that opportunity. But really, who else do they have? You know, they signed Julian Davenport. So we'll yeah. see what he can bring to the table. Um, but, yeah, I mean, would you would you agree that depth at offensive tackle is still a very big problem for this team? It is. But if we're being honest, most teams it's a huge problem. Like, there's a reason that tack it's, – it's like the quarterback position, right? There's a reason that quarterbacks get paid what they do. People look at Daniel Jones that don't know the way the league is, is structured at the quarterback position and like, how do you get paid $40 million? Well, look around the league. There's only like 16, 17, 18, 20 tops guys that are legitimate starting quarterbacks. And it's the same thing with the offensive tackle. Like, there's a reason – that Andrew Thomas is getting paid $25, $26, $27 million, whatever he got, and all these tackles are going to continue to make more and more money because there's only so many serviceable tackles in the NFL. And you look around the league, 
these guys go down, it could destroy your whole season for most teams in the NFL. So, yes, it's a problem, but most teams don't have great depth on the offensive line. No. Yeah, there's a reason left tackles get paid a ton. His name is Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. Um, but obviously, yeah, I don't care. You know, Chris, I know mentions all the time. We talk about it all the time. It does not matter how much the game changes, how much rules change, what they do with it. The game will always be won in the trenches. Always. Yeah. And that that's just where it is. Um, you know, so those guys gotta protect. They're the pawns in the chess game. You know, you lose yeah. your line of defense, you're very vulnerable. So you know, we saw the Giants get beat up on both sides of the ball last year at the line of scrimmage, especially against Philadelphia and Dallas. And then that's why we got to get better. That's why that first game against Dallas means a lot because those two teams, Dallas didn't really blow us out. I mean, like I said, we played them competitively, but if you look at that game, they dominated up front. The Eagles dominated in every facet. It sickens me to say that, but it's it's just a fact. Oh, they did. They did. Um, they did. So, they definitely you know, and the line's very important and – and and spoiler alert, you know, I I've been doing like um, preseason previews. I have I actually have a show that's dropping at midnight uh, mm-hmm. that I did with Julian Council, the Locked On Panthers host. I said, Julian, what's your team's biggest concern right now? Well, guess what, folks? The offensive line, just as it was last week for the Detroit Lions, and I'm sure it's going to be next week for the New York Jets. Everybody has offensive line pro- problems, and and that's oh. why you know it's just finding quality depth. Sometimes you get lucky and then sometimes, you know, you can have these spurts where, you know, who it's, knows why, it's why I'm a firm believer that you always, every year I want my GM to draft at least one offensive line mm-hmm. every year, because it's so hard to find talent at that position. There's a lot of injuries that take place. There's the most important position, uh, you know, in terms of a unit on a football team, in my opinion, collectively, I always want you to continue to reset. And that's what I've loved about Joe Shane so far. Look at what he's done. He had two picks inside the top seven. One was a tackle. His third round pick, he took a guard with a Zudu. And this year, his second round pick, he takes a center. So he's clearly a guy that agrees with that philosophy. He's clearly a guy that I think is going to continue that philosophy. Because if we're being honest, our offensive line is far from complete. We got a stopgap with Glowinski. He's not a guy that's going to be here very long. Uh, you know, you could probably say the same thing for Bredesen, even though he's still relatively young. He's probably not going to be the long-term answer. So I expect him to continue to do that. But his upper higher draft picks he's invested heavily in the offensive line thus far and, and i expect to continue to do that and you were going to see probably a cut down day don't be surprised if they add some guys on the offensive line because there will be offensive linemen cut mm-hmm. and those guys are going to get snapped up very very quickly because they're, they're at a premium yeah yeah all right, guys, let's talk about inside uh, – I'm sorry, we, we talked about inside linebacker too uh, before. Um, we've talked about receiver. We talked about running back. I think we talked about s- safety. We talked about cornerback. All right, you know what? Let's take questions. Okay, you guys in, in the chat room, you know what to do. If you have a question, pop them into the, the chat box. Let's and go. And we'll uh, – We'll, we'll answer them. If we miss them, just keep asking them. I'll, eventually, I'll pick them up and I'll, I'll post them on the thing. But um, let's Would you see. want Gronk? What's that? Would <laughs> you want Gronkowski since that came out? He said that the, he would come out of retirement for the Giants. Yeah, we we talked about that. Um, I don't think they would do that, but 
Gronk. That, that's, Gronk's, that's not gonna, Gronk's not going to do that. Gronk's not. That, doing that's that. a testament though to, to Dable, like we were saying yeah. earlier. Yeah. So, all right, guys, what do you think about this this uh, proposal by Chronicles Podcast? Mm-hmm. Bench Glowinski, sign Pew, Redison right guard, Pew left guard, develop Azudu, solidified offensive line. What do you think about that? Listen, I'm not a big fan of Glow. I'm not. And I don't want him to be here long. And if I'm being honest, I probably don't want him to finish this season as a starter. I want Azudu, Azudu to overtake him at some point. But this far in the game, three weeks before the start of the regular season, I don't want shuffling. Uh, he's been yeah. playing with the first the first unit now all offseason. They built what you hope some chemistry with that line, getting used to playing next to one another. We talked about how we have a rookie center. I don't want any shuffling going into the year. So for me... I want continuity on that offensive line. I'm not looking to replace any starters before the year starts. So for me, I'm okay with the signing of Pew if you want to bring him in. Veteran, depth guy, could step in if there's some injuries at multiple spots on the line. But no, I want Glow starting week one. And I'm not a goal yeah. guy. Believe me, I'm not. But mm-hmm. I want him starting week one. Glow knows the system, too. He knows the blocking yeah. schemes. He knows all the audibles. Like They, they know that stuff Pew would have to learn. Yeah. So, is you know, obviously Pew career-wise is better. But you want a guy that that is going to have a handle on the offense and on the blocking schemes, as opposed to a guy fresh off the streets um, that doesn't know all this stuff and would have to get acclimated to everybody else in the line and the, and the you know the blocking scheme, the, the audible, everything else. So you know, I, I also would. I, I just want to start with the guys we have. It's unfortunate that we have what we have, but that those are probably the best. That's probably the best line we could put out there week one. I don't think he's – again, I could see Glow getting replaced by week four or five. I, mean, I, I could think, see but, Glow getting replaced before the year's out, absolutely. But but to start the year, that's the line I expect him to put yeah, out there. Because um, to me, Azudu didn't look very good in the, in the uh, first preseason game. If, no. I, if you ask me who was, who was the player I was most disappointed with, he's up there because yeah. he's a guy that I want to see overtake that offensive line spot. And he didn't look that good to me, at least at certain points in that game. Um, but I want him to get that starter's job at some point. Obviously, I don't think the coach step believes he's quite ready yet. So let the let the veterans start the year and ease him in. I think that's the plan. All right. Now there's this there's two questions related to this. I'm gonna kind of piggyback off of this one from playoff P. Who is edge three? So that would be behind Thibodeau and Old Larry. Come on, Fox, maybe. It might be. He looked good. He, 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 you know, a lot. Everybody talks about the interception by, um, uh, uh, Pinnock on that play, but the guy who really created it was, it was Fox on that play. Um, he might be, he might be the third edge. Uh, we'll see. I mean, who else you got competing here? You got Ziminez. You got Ward. Ward. You got Jihad Ward. Jihad Um, will make it, but I don't know if I, if, if I would put him as, as three. Yeah. Fox. He could. He could definitely right, take that so, spot. And I'm going to put this question up here from Jonathan Chris about, do you see see the Giants going after a pass rusher? You know, because it kind of piggybacks off of the who's, you know, OLB3. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely can see him going after a pass rusher. Yeah. But you can't have enough depth there. I don't pass Especially in Wink's system, you, you can't get enough pass rushers. Well, no. Well, actually, while I agree with you, we have been seeing a lot more blitzes coming from the secondary. I mean, I, I made the comment the other day to somebody and they said, oh, my God, you're right. I said, you know, we have seen a lot of safety and corner blitzes more this camp than I remember seeing last year. 
So I wonder if maybe Wink is going to, you know, he, he knows he doesn't have, I don't, I, I believe he, he, he knows that he doesn't have like a three deep, you know, like, like the, you know, the 2011 Giants had or the 2007 Giants had. So maybe you manufacture some of those blitzes, you know, you have a linebacker blitz, you know, maybe Michael McFadden, you send him in on a blitz, you send um, Pinnock McKinney, in on a blitz, Pinnock, or one of the yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's how I think they're going to manufacture the pass rush. And that's what, that's the way that Wink has always manufactured the pass rush. When you look at the Ravens defense historically, uh, under Wink as the D.C., they never had a guy with double-digit sacks. Uh, they were always a, a team that manufactured a lot of sacks. They were always among the league leaders, but it was a collective effort because it was scheme-dependent. Um, so it's kind of what I expect now, and it's why, although I do think it's a major need, I definitely yeah. think we need an edge. Uh, 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 and if we can get a veteran edge. have to wait for next year, though. Yeah, whether it be in the draft, maybe you get a guy at the end that somebody cuts, but obviously you're not going to have a quality edge right. three at this point, more than likely. But I think it's being a little bit overrated by some fans, in my opinion, as as a as like a crippling need for this team. Because, like you said, I agree. I, I think the pass rush comes from all over. I think it comes from the safeties. I think it comes from the corners. I think it comes from the interior defensive line. Wink's going to generate pressure based off of his defensive game plan. So I would love one. I think we could use one. But I think we get by with what we got. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. This is a good one we didn't talk about. What are the thoughts on the punter? He actually had a really good punt uh, in the in the preseason game. It was like 90 yards. But unfortunately, they returned it for a touchdown because our punt coverage well, was He outkicked the coverage. Yeah, he outkicked the coverage. <laughs> um, he's got a big leg. We knew that last year, even though he had some duds here and there. But he's got a big leg. My, my issue year one, and it's only been year one, you know, yeah. I'm not – Hope that the coaching staff judged him properly and he gets better. He's not a good uh, directional punter, at least through his first year as well, a New York here, Giant. Here's my, here's my take on 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 Gillen. I've never been a huge fan of his. I, yeah. I, you know, so I'll put that out there right now. But that said, I thought this summer he was doing a little bit better job with directional punting. Yeah. I thought he was, you know, in practice he wasn't out kicking coverage. But it just seems like you get to the game scenario and he's he's due for some kind of boneheaded clunker, whether it be out kicking the coverage, whether it be, you know, shanking the ball off the side of his foot or whatever. And, you know, McGahee talked about that. He's like, look, we want hang time to equal distance. So if you're kicking a 45 yard punt, your hang time should be around 4.5 seconds. Yeah, that yeah. gives the coverage team time to get down the field to get in a position to make the play. So you have, you know, think about it. If you're out, you know, here and 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 the nearest guy is here, and you're trying to merge together and make the tackle, it's so much easier when you have a lot of space in front of you to to put a move to get past, you know, a guy. Whereas if a guy's right on top of you, it's harder. You know what I mean? So that's why you see the missed tackles and the diving and 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 the poor form and everything like that. And that starts with the punting. You can't outkick your coverage. And yeah. it just seems like Gillen just is good for that, like at least once, at least once or twice a game. Yeah. So, I'm not a Gillen guy. I'm not, not a Gillen guy. Good, not very good at pinning the opponents deep inside no. the territory either. It's like he get a lot of touchbacks. He needs more touch mm-hmm. on his you, know, you don't need to necessarily kick it out of bounds, but like you were just mentioning, the hang time, you're you're kicking the ball, you know, from just you know, outside of your your own fit or on your side of the fifty yard line. I mean, you don't want to boom it into the end zone. 
Just put the ball up there. It doesn't need to be perfect. Just get the ball up in the air and kick it to the 10-yard line where your coverage can get down and a guy's got a fair catch it. You know, so that's something I, I think that he he needs to work on. You know, he's got a good fastball. I mean, he's got a Absolutely. good level. You can't get by in the majors with just a fastball. You need off-speed pitches. And you need location. Stuff he's, he's, also, he's also a good holder. I mean, I was talking to Graham Gano the other day about Jamie's holding, and we were talking about that, and he, he just – he couldn't say enough good things about, you know, because Gano's had several holders in his career. And, and you know, the key is getting that ball down quickly and in, in position. And he says, Jamie, that's one of the underrated parts of Jamie's game, overall game. Mm -hmm. So that's another factor. So, you know, whatever. He needs, more, Fiegel, he needs more Fiegels to his game, though. Fiegels was great at that. In terms Too of bad the, Fiegels the... isn't around as much as he used to be. Yeah. Fiegels, yeah. Uh, you know, he used to be around and he used to kind of be like a sounding board. But, but absolutely, I mean, you'd like to see more touch in Jamie Gillen's game. I mean, look, they signed him to a two-year deal. They obviously like his leg, but, you know, we'll see what, what the, the upcoming year brings, but uh, got to be a little bit more consistent because I don't think, you know, I still don't think he's he's there yet with consistency. So we'll see. All right, Little Caesar asked, do you think there are any players we could trade away during the season? And Dory and Saquon are on the short list. I don't think anybody's going to necessarily take a Dory's contract because he's in the last year. So it's basically a rental mm -hmm. as is Saquon. But, uh, you know, I don't think the Giants are going to make any trades of those guys unless the season goes down the toilet. Yeah. Then, then I could see them being sellers. Yeah. I um, could I see them maybe trading an extra offensive lineman? You know, we talked about Glowinski, you know, if, if, if they decide, you know, to go with Bredesen at right guard, do they maybe look to trade Glowinski to a team that needs an interior lineman? I could see that. Could I see them maybe trying to trade a receiver? I could maybe see that. But I don't know about a Dorian Saquon. I, I, I'd be surprised with that. But we'll have to see because obviously, you know, with last year, Kadarius Tony, they didn't make that decision until like, what, a week or so before the, the trade deadline? So they yeah. had to kind of let things play out a little bit. Yeah, and Tony had nothing to do with he, that. They felt obviously he was a distraction. He didn't he, he didn't fit what they were looking to do with the team. Obviously, they don't feel that way with Adori, um, and they don't feel that way with Saquon. The the only way they would trade those guys, like you said, this season would have to completely go go up in flames, and then and then they would say, all right, let's get something for Saquon while we can. Um, and let's you know let's build towards next year. I don't expect that to happen, so I don't even want to think about that. Um. But I also don't expect Shane to be aggressive at the deadline. I think it'll be much like last year where he's – I mean, if the right deal's there, I'm sure he'll monitor the market. I think he did monitor the market last year, and if the right deal was there, he probably would have been willing to strike. Something similar to, like, say, the Darren Waller situation in the offseason. If that came about at the trade deadline where you could get a player that you felt like could really impact your team um, for a late third-round pick, go out and do it. But he's not going to give up, you know, the moon and the stars at the trade deadline to get a player either because – He's focused not just on the here and now, but long term. But yeah, I don't see them selling anybody on this team unless they're completely out of it. And I, I don't think they're going to be. And then here's the other thing, you know, right now he doesn't have any comp picks coming in next year. He doesn't have chips that he can move around with. But that's not to say that come next, you know, April or, or whenever the draft is, April, May, that he won't move around the board. It's going to depend on where they end up drafting. So, you know, a lot can happen. Uh, but then again, maybe Shane looks at the roster and says, okay, I don't need as much, you know, as I, as maybe I did last year. 
That's another possibility. They're going to be in great shape, better shape next year with the cap. They've got some of their young guys locked up, you know, for the long term. So you just, you got to take the whole thing into consideration. You know, would Shane like to have more draft picks? I'm sure he would, but he's not going to go and, and, and make a trade just for the sake of making a trade. Yeah. So, all right, let's see. Mark Thompson asked, do you think the Giants carry four running backs? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You're going to have Saquon Brita. You're going to have uh, Eric Gray. And I think it's going to come down to just Sean Corbin or Gary Brightwell. Now, Gary Brightwell has been injured. I don't know what's what, what's going on there, but maybe Corbin. You, could you see Corbin? As I mean, you he had the nice- Brightwell was the kick returner last year, and he, he seems to be yielding that to, to Gray. Yeah. I mean, he had the nice run during the preseason, but I don't want to read too much into that. Plattsgummer had a great run, too, during a preseason game a couple right. of years ago. Uh, but I like I said earlier, I don't – I don't think there's going to be a defined number for these positions week to week. Like opening week, they may say four running backs, and then another game, they may feel like they need an extra wide receiver, and they go three. So, yeah, I would lean they go four to start the year, but I could certainly see some games where they feel like, well, we need a little bit more help here based off the opponent. Um, but, yeah, I'm leaning four to start the year. And I guess if Brightwell's healthy, I'd lean Brightwell, but I could certainly see Corbin beating him out. Yeah, I don't know what, what how bad his injury is. I know he's missed a few practices now. I don't even know what he what his injury is. Was it a knee? I think he's got a one of them had a knee and one of them had an ankle. I can't remember what which one he had. Okay, but it was remember. a lower body injury for sure. So, but yeah, all right. Um, JDJ asks, what do you expect from Kayvon in his second year? Um, I know there were a few things Wink said that made it seem like he could give more effort. Is he going to take the superstar of leap? All right, this is interesting. I had this conversation also with somebody on the sideline during my practice. We both felt that Kayvon is going to be, he's definitely going to you know, be better. Now, is he going to be a double-digit sack guy every year? Probably not. But here's what I think the Giants and Kayvon are looking for. Let him be a disruptor, all right? Think in terms of an OCU Manura. You remember OCU Manura? Of he wouldn't. He he wasn't a guy that got sacks every week, but he disrupted. And I think you know. And and then when you needed a sack, it just seemed like when you needed a sack at the you know at the right moment, there was OC to produce it. That's kind of how I look at maybe the the the, the path for for Kayvon. I'm wearing his jersey, so that He's should tell you what jersey. I. You, that should tell you what I think about Kayvon. But no, um. Yeah, well, kidding. I'm, I'm not going to throw a number out there, but yeah, I think Kayvon's going to be much better this year, and I think he's only going to continue to get better. Uh, the, the work ethic is there. I mean, you see it all the time with the clips. He's talking to his teammates on the sideline, trying to get better. You saw, I mean, look at the play with Travis Etienne last year where he chased him down 70 yards down the field uh, when we played Jacksonville. The talent's there. I mean, you saw glimpses last year where he showed elite capabilities, uh, where he took over the Washington game basically by himself. Um, yeah, he's super talented and now he's got more help around him with a healthy disease. So, uh, you gotta think he's going to only be better this year. So, uh, yeah, I have confidence in Kayvon. I don't know what his sack numbers are going to be, but like you said, he's going to be a disruptor. He's going to be a guy that creates pressure. Here's my hot take. The giants had 41 team sacks last year. They're going to, they're going to go over 50 this year. I don't I, know how many Kayvon's going to have, but they're going to have a lot of sacks. This I wonder year. how many, how many times they'll actually call holding when Kayvon yeah. gets on the corner, because I swear he could have had double-digit sacks 
if he wasn't held five times a game. They never called that. I swear he got held every time he came around the corner. Well, he doesn't help himself by protesting and running to the. I have heard and learned over the years that guys that go to run into the officials to cry about holding or pass interference, the officials after a while, they're like, yeah, 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 go away. You know, They all complain about pass interference and it's when they don't catch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Well, 16 years old. I need to see more snow angels this year. That's what I want to see. I want to see Kayvon doing snow angels all over the football field. So hopefully he gets 12 sacks, 13 sacks. <laughs> yeah. Him and, him and those are healthy. It could be fun to watch. Yeah. And your prediction, by the way, answers Papa Guzzo's question about the defense getting 50-plus sacks. So, Papa Guzzo, we got you covered there. Three a game. I can see that. Yes. All right. This one um, is from Deke. Can we address the annoying notion that DJ was selfish for not taking a pay cut for Saquon. Um, was Andrew Thomas selfish for not taking a pay cut? I mean, come on. This One is what doesn't I, necessarily I, have to do with another. I, I mentioned the people this. People say that don't understand the cap. I'm I sorry. Asked, the people that, and I'm not, Deke isn't asking this. I, I mean, it's the media. No, 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 I know he's not. How? No, no, I, I know. No, no, I'm just saying, how, how does Daniel Jones know what Saquon Barkley was offering? How does he know that? How does he know anything? He doesn't, he doesn't know what the what the contract negotiations were with Barkley and Patty. You mentioned this during the last season. They were talking with Saquon during, and this was a big deal during the bye week. Everybody was like, "Oh, they're not bringing Daniel Jones back. They're not. They're not talking to Daniel Jones. They're all trying to work with Saquon because you said it. It's going to be way easier to get Daniel Jones on than Saquon, and you were right. So, I, I, I just don't know how Daniel Jones. Is, what is he supposed to do? Number one, your agent does. You're negotiating. But what's Daniel Jones? Oh, we're going to offer you 160 with a chance to make 195. Nah. You know what? Give me 120. I'm good for leaving $40 million on the table. It's, I don't know how he's selfish. And I don't know why people are saying he's overpaid. He's going to be right in the middle of the pack by the end of the year. So, I think people, bad dog, they don't recognize – Either people are willfully ignorant and they know and they could distinguish the difference between the quarterback market and all other positions in the league. It's different markets. I've said it before. I think on this show, it's like comparing a doctor's salary to a construction worker. Like a middle-of-the-pack doctor makes more than the highest-paid construction worker. It's the most important position. Like people that compare it, it's apples and oranges. It's silliness. And then you had Boomer this week, and this blew my mind on his interview, basically said to Daniel, did you feel bad that you affected Saquon Barkley's ability uh. to be able to make money. And let me tell you, let's go over it. One, after they signed Daniel Jones, they signed Dexter Lawrence to near record-breaking money at the interior defensive line position. They Thank signed you. Andrew Thomas to record-breaking money at the left tackle position. So they had money to spend. It had nothing to do. They spent it on do. a hurricane and not do this Rochez. They had the money. Can nothing we just to do with Daniel what it is? Saquon's agent, his original agent, screwed up. Let's just and the call funny, it. And the funniest is. thing, though, Pat, the funniest thing, though, Pat, about that question by Boomer, who did the Giants go to first? Did they go to Daniel first, or Saquon. did they go to Saquon first? Saquon. So and Saquon, that's why I say his agent screwed up. Saquon had the chance to allow the Giants to tag Jones because I'm going to tell you what: if they would have signed Saquon midseason, they would have had so much more leverage with Daniel Jones because they could have said to Daniel, "You come down to 34, 35 million dollars a year. We're tagging you." Daniel and his agent knew that they had to take Saquon because Saquon hadn't signed the extension. So they went to Saquon first. So these like Boomer insinuating that you affected Saquon. 
Nonsense. Saquon got an offer. He turned it down. He rolled the dice and he lost. To blame that on Daniel Jones is ridiculous. And I can't believe it's still a talking point. It's ridiculous. It's, Boomer is just Boomer is just a jealous has been. Don't understand did, the cap. Did anybody ask him? Was he greedy, taking all that money from the Jets and ruining the Jets? Somebody <laughs> should it, have. Yeah, I mean, uh, seriously, how much money did he make with the Jets? Did, I mean, he's a quarterback. That's a dumb question coming from a quarterback. I mean, what are you? What are you supposed to do? I mean, it's like any job. If you, if you, Daniel Jones should office, have just walked off the set at that point. I mean, yeah. seriously, I would have walked off the set and gone, "Are you serious?" If you work in an office and you get a raise, and your coworker doesn't get the same raise because either you're more important than you, you have a higher position, or you do better work, or whatever the case may be, do you go to your boss? You know what? I, I don't want the extra ten dollars an hour. Because this is relative for us. We're millions of dollars to them is ten dollars an hour to nine to five people. But now you know what? I don't want to how about you give me four dollars an hour and you give the rest of it to the people? Get out of here. You don't have a long shelf life in the NFL. Make your money. That's the way it goes. And Chris, you made a great point. Patty, you did too. They went to Saquon first. How can Daniel Jones know what they offered Saquon? And yeah, they just signed a bunch of other people. How come nobody's saying, oh, you know, um, do you feel bad, Andrew, about taking more money when Barkley got tagged? Uh, you know, Dexter, do you feel bad about taking all that money? You know, no Let one's- me tell you what happened. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think happened with Saquon. All right. This is just, first off, if I remember correctly, I don't think Kimmy Ali ever negotiated anything with, with Joe Shane. Who, who you know was still relatively new, but I don't even I don't even know if they had contact when he was in Buffalo as Brandon Bean's assistant. But here's here's what I think happened. I think Shane sat down with with them and said, "Look, here's what I can do." And probably you know if you're the agent, you say, "Okay, that's your opening offer. You can do better. I know you can do better." And maybe she thought that there was more room to be had. And she's like, nope, sorry, I'm not going to settle for that because I know you can do better. Whereas Shane has always been a straight shooter. He's been transparent. Look, John Mara had a conversation with Saquon. That came out. Joe Shane had a conversation with Saquon. Um, that was obviously, you know, that came out. They basically laid it out on the table. They said, look, Saquon, we want you here. This is what we can do because we want to do this in order to win. And, you know, they laid it out for him. And the agent probably said, you know what? They're full of, you know what? We're going to hold out and we're going to, you know, put their feet to the fire and we're going to see if we can get more. And they lost that game. She rolled the dice. She called the Giants bluff and she thought the Giants were going to have to be forced to tag Daniel Jones. That was the gamble that they took. When Mm -hmm. Shane was able to get the Daniel Jones deal done before the tagline, she lost. You rolled craps. You're done. But for anybody yep. to blame Daniel Jones on it, it's ridiculous. Daniel Jones took average money. Daniel Jones, if you really look at it, took below average money for a starting quarterback. Well, That's just the truth. Because I mean, when you people- look at it, there are 18 quarterbacks in the NFL right now who are not playing on a rookie contract. 18. You don't count the rookie contracts. That's silly. 18 quarterbacks are playing on a non-rookie contract right now. Right now, today, Daniel Jones is the 12th highest-paid quarterback in the NFL in terms of guaranteed money, and that's only going to go down 
Justin, mm-hmm. well, not Justin Herbert. Burrow's going to get paid. Lawrence is going to get paid. Like, there's three, four quarterbacks waiting. Tua. Like, the market only goes up. So, yes. it's ridiculous. Yes. Like, people exactly. don't understand the quarterback market. They just don't. Or no, they will. No, no, or they're really ignorant. People are going to blame Daniel Jones for, for global warming. I mean, why not? Hey, listen, blame, you know, him that. blame him for the hay nail you have. I mean, come on. Chris, you, we, we came up with Dr. Garrett. Everybody blamed Garrett for everything wrong with it. And you just mentioned, you know, Jones is a doctor and Saquon's like a construction worker. We're just have to call him Dr. Jones, like <laughs> Indiana Jones. Because uh, <laughs> it is. How come Saquon, I, I, listen, how come Saquon? How come I, they're not saying to Saquon, I, hey, why were you so greedy? Why were you asking for more money? Why'd you keep asking for more money? They offered you fourteen million. How come you wanted more? Why come and, you-, and, you know, just just to my point about you know Saquon's original agent blowing blowing the the whole deal and overestimating it. That agency, Rock Nation, put out a press release after Andrew Thomas's signing. And oh, by the way, whose name was mentioned in that press release? Kim Miali's. So it was kind of like a pat yourself on the back kind of uh, deal. Like, oh, look, see, we might have screwed up Saquon's deal, but look at what we did for Andrew Thomas. Yeah. Right. I don't think I've ever seen that. And, ever. and, by, and, by and the I've way, been covering this league for over 30 years. I have never seen an agency come out with a press release with all these factors and stuff like that. Now, maybe, maybe they do. I don't know. And I just haven't gotten them. But I was like, wow. And the fact that they said, you know, Rock Nation Sports, it's led by John Thornton, Kimmy Ali, and Eric, I think, what's his last name, Burkhardt or something like that. I was like, ah, okay. That was a PR yeah. thing to say, look, we, we got Andrew Thomas done, so we're still, you know, competent. Yeah. But, I mean, look, people screw things up, and I I believe that Kimmy Ali just overestimated everything. She she gambled and she lost. She gambled. Why she do you, gambled. And, and why do you think, by the way, Saquon took the unprecedented step of hiring another agent from a different agency to yeah, get the contract pretty, done. Pretty, pretty obvious, what does that tell obvious. you? Pretty obvious that uh, yep. she wasn't she wasn't willing to meet and, them. Oh, where by they the way, go back and look at Joe Shane's presser from from the opening of camp when he talks when he when he gives kudos to to Ed Berry for coming up with you know working with them on a solution. No mention of the other agent. Yeah, so what true. does that tell you? And by the way, by no means am I trying to slam Barkley. I'm not. I understood where Barkley was coming from, too, right? I understood it. But I'm not going to put it on Daniel Jones. No. I'm not going to put it on Daniel. It's not Daniel Jones' fault that he went out there and got his contract. And to, and and this notion that people have come out up with because, just because they hate Daniel Jones, that by signing Jones it affected Barkley is the stupidest, dumbest, most naive talking point I've ever heard in my entire life because they paid Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence record-breaking money. If they wanted to pay Saquon Barkley, they could have paid him. They didn't pay him simply because he's a running back, he's 26, and he has an injury history. And that's not how the Giants want to build long-term. It's pretty simple. It's pretty obvious. But some people don't like to look at the obvious thing. They just want to blame Daniel Jones. So it is what it is. That's what I mean. How come nobody is blaming Saquon Barkley for asking him more? How come they? Yeah. How come it's not like they didn't offer him a fair deal. If it was four, to, I mean, I don't know what it was. I heard 12 and a half, 13, 14. He was offered 12 and a half on the first one. And I think the, the second one before the deadline was applied was up to 14 with incentives. And then the one before the, um, the, the signing deadline, the, um, the July 17th deadline, 
if I'm not mistaken, I think they lowered the APY, but they upped the guaranteed money guaranteed. to the equivalent of the two franchise tags. They were never going to go higher than that. They, you know, and, and I think that's where the holdup was, you know, the giants were like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go as high as the franchise tag amount for this year and next year as far as guaranteed money goes. I think Saquon's initial representation wanted more, which would have yeah. made, you know, I could see where it would make sense, but Shane just wasn't going to go there based on, you know, positional value. And like you said, dog, how they want to build this team up. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, you know, Saquon is, is one of the most talented uh, players at his position, but everything is supply and demand. Every market uh, and the free world is driven by supply and demand. And Chris made this great point, and I use this all the time because I loved it. It was fantastic. You don't go – there's no quarterback by committee. You have one quarterback. The old adage is if you have more than one quarterback, you don't have a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So they're getting their money because the game is different. This is not 1991 where Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith are, you know, are, are chewing up the league. It's, it's not the same anymore. Quarterbacks now have the ability to run a lot more than they ever have to. So that takes away a big part of the running game as well because the quarterback is now a running back. A lot of quarterbacks are running backs. Daniel Jones had 700 yards. Justin Fields had over 1,000 yards. Jalen Hurts had 700 yards. Lamar Jackson you know, gets a ton of rushing yards. Kyler Murray, the list goes on and on and on and on. So that, other, that also takes away from the running backs, you know, uh, position or, or whatever the uh the value of the running back because the quarterback can now get rushing yards it wasn't like that when phil sims was handing off to joe boris you know it wasn't like that when joe montana was giving the ball to roger craig barber right he was here right and that was kind of you know todd Gurley. kind of that was kind of the end of it todd Gurley got that contract and that was we don't want to do this anymore running backs don't have a long shelf life in the NFL. they take a beating their primes are behind them you know, by the time they sign that second contract, they're already on a, on a decline. Where quarterbacks, you know, they're still going up into the prime when they get into the early 30s. It's just it's, it's just supply and demand. It's hard to get. Ask the Bears how hard it is to find a franchise quarterback. Or the Jets. How many quarterbacks have the five, or I'm sorry, three top five quarterbacks since 2009, right? Sanchez, failure. Darnold, failure. Now, Zach Wilson, like, you know what the hell with you? We're going out there. We're getting Aaron Rodgers. They tried that with Brett Favre. Ask the Jets how hard it is to get one of those or whatever. It ain't easy. They don't grow on trees. No, so they do not. Daniel Jones got fair money. I know $160 million is, is we don't know. Crazy. Nobody, nobody talking. And if you look at the contract, you really look closely at it. It's thirty-seven point five million per yeah. year because the, he's not going to see the last year of that deal. No, they're oh. going to extend him or they're going to cut him. Come on, it's the middle. It's the middle of the pack. So all you do, you know, I, pack, and it's an op. They have the option now. If he outplays it, you rip it up and you do a new deal. If he doesn't, yeah, you, you throw you move on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what more do people want? I don't understand it. I don't get it either because these are people that do this. You know, they, they're in the media. They, it's a profession. You would think they would understand this no, better than anything. just, you know, your average YouTube guys. But I just, I have a hard time understanding. But the, 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 the thing is, bad dog. The thing is, bad dog. They do realize it. They, 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 they are willfully ignorant. They choose to ignore it because they know. 
pairing Jones against Barkley is clicks. It's mm-hmm. headlines. It gets us talking about it because we can't it's help me. it. Can it's you, it's me. We're passionate as fans. We defend our team when we hear stupid things, but they yeah. know that. But you don't think Boomer is smart. I would hope he's smart enough to realize, especially being that he played freaking quarterback. That in New York. In New York, that it's compl- it's apples and oranges. When you talk about the quarterback market versus the running back market, they're smart enough to realize it. They just know that that's not going to generate headlines. That's not going to get people talking about their interviews. So they go for the clickbait topics. That's what Wouldn't they do. Wouldn't you think that if – one of these media people were like contrarian and went the other way and said, like Tiki did when he said Daniel Jones is going to be a top five quarterback. That got a ton of attention. Like, wouldn't you want to go the other way and say, you know what? All you these know guys, what it is, guys, he's greedy, he's greedy. You know what? I think Daniel Jones is underpaid. What if somebody were to come out and say, you don't think this <laughs> that would get clicks? You know, I mean, I, 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 call me crazy. I think by year's end, he is going to be underpaid. This this is this may or may not surprise you. You say you 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 know you would think that the media would understand it, excluding the you know the regular beat writers who I think do understand it. Do you know how many times over the years I've been on the sidelines during training camp with somebody who's come in from the national media to watch practice? Yes, we've had conversations, and they've and they've you know oh I don't understand why the Giants did this with this contract. And you guys know me. You know I do a lot of salary cap work that I have a pretty good understanding of how it works and all that stuff. And I have to explain to them why contracts are set up this way or what the thinking was here. And they they, they argue with me and I say, look, this is how it was set up. And I have to basically educate them as to why things are the way they are. And I've had to do that this year with Daniel Jones, with a few, you know, the national people that have come in. And they yeah. just kind of look at me and they're, they're like, well, Daniel Jones isn't worth it. I'm like, okay, then, you know, are you saying that a franchise quarterback can be had, that they grow on trees? Well, yeah. they could have drafted somebody. Okay, could have, would have, should have, didn't. That's who, who, my expression. Who are you drafting? Exactly. You know, I, I, I told them, I said, I said, where did the Giants draft? What were they, 20? I forget who you, now. 20, who, who, you, who are you drafting? You drafting uh, 20, the man, the man what, is guy, the guy that he's been at? I think he moved up a spot. Yeah, they yeah. were 24th. I said, who are you drafting at 24? Because now you're yeah. getting into the bottom, you know. Wherever we were, I, don't know. I, I mean, come on. If, if, you're, if you're drafting fourth, okay, then I can see the argument. Well, if you're drafting well, fourth, then you're like, hurt or bad. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. worth paying if you drafted fourth. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. but but it's just amazing because I have to sit there and I and I feel like, you know, come on, you're national. You're on this this network or that network and you don't understand this? Or are you just looking to pick, you know, to pick the brain of somebody who who does get it? Or are you, what are, what are you trying to do here? Or are it's you just, just trying to be argumentative? It's just stupidity. And then people, and then you will see people on in the national media just completely not take into account the increasing market. Like I saw several people, Colin Cowherd, several people. Mm-hmm. Oh, Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott both got forty million dollars a year. Okay. Dak Prescott signed his when the cap was $175 million. $40 million a year three years ago is not $40 million a year today. $40 million a year three years ago is $55 million a year today. That contract's messed up. That's- yeah, they back-loaded the crap out of it and everything else. But people just look at it. It's not, it's not comparable. A contract, the market goes up, and it was smart for the Giants to sign Jones when they did. Exactly. Because if you tag Jones, let's ignore the, 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 the one real negative. 
that you it really it hurts your cap in a negative way this year. So you're not getting Bobby O'Kara, okay? You're not going to have a real opportunity to improve your team as best you can this year because you can't move that money around. But the other thing is, if Daniel Jones even plays pretty well, he doesn't even need to be great. If he plays pretty well next year, you make the playoffs again, he puts you in the same situation, you're not in a position to draft a quarterback, you're picking in the 20s again, and then you have an option to either tag him again for like $40 million a year, or if he was worth $40 million in this market and he matched what he did last year as a player, now he's worth 46. So get it out of the way. Like you would think that like you would have learned that lesson. The Cowboys made that mistake with Dak when they tagged him and they kept pushing back the contract and then they had to pay him as the highest paid Washington Kirk Cousins. How many times do they do that with Kirk Cousins? How many times do they tag him? Yeah. Because yeah. they didn't, they wouldn't draft the quarterback and they kept pushing. And it was like, he was up to, I don't forgot how much, but they tagged him like what, two, three years in a row. They just kept tagging him and tagging him. And then he ended up in Minnesota. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't think Washington any good either. So, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the business, the business side of, of football, I think sometimes escapes some people. And that's that. That's why it's just so important to have a to me at any rate, you know. Because when I make roster projections and predictions and all that stuff, I'm looking at that part, and and that's why you know some people will say, well, why are you, you predicting this? And because I'm looking at the business aspect of it, I'm trying to look at it through the eyes of a GM, and you know, it's it, it look, it's not for everybody. I get it, and everybody's entitled to an opinion. I get it, but you know. For and I, and, and, for I, and myself I'm looking, personally, I'm I'm going to try and be as informed and try and give you as informed a, a take as I can. Of course, and, and I think Doug brings up the best point um, in terms of people that were against paying Daniel Jones this year. Even though, in my opinion, there was no other realistic option, there just wasn't based on where we were picking. Like that was what you had to do. Uh, name me a team, uh, Doug, in the history of football that made the playoffs. And and we're picking in the twenties and had a young quarterback not coming off an injury and replaced him with a either a really cheap veteran like some people were suggesting like a I don't know uh, Jacoby Brissett Marcus Mariota a Marcus Mariota whatever it, it it doesn't happen so you're you you were keeping Daniel Jones the question was were you going to tag him or were you going to sign him to the extension but what the Giants did in my opinion and why it was the right approach they didn't commit to him long term. This is not a, in my opinion, at least, this is not a franchise quarterback contract. This right. is a, this is a, we're going to give you the chance to prove you could be a franchise quarterback contract. They didn't back this salary like the Jalen Hurts deal. Jalen Hurts, if Jalen Hurts gets hurt or if he regresses in play, the Eagles are screwed. They're committed to him for the next seven years with the way they back out of that contract. That's a franchise quarterback contract. That's committing yourself to a quarterback. Mm -hmm. yeah, Herbert, are, another one. Yeah, yeah, Herbert. The Giants are saying, Jones, we're going to give you two years here. We're going to build this team up right. We believe in you. And if you become what we think you can be, then you're going to get the franchise quarterback contract. Exactly. But yeah, this, is a bridge this is a bridge contract is what this it's is. It's a bridge contract. That's exactly yeah. Perfect. Exactly. You hit it on the head, dog. It's a bridge contract. And if he play, if he outplays it, you rip it up and you, you give him a franchise contract. Yeah. If he doesn't, yeah. you know, and he'll still be young enough. He's what twenty six now, so you figure yeah. after two years he'll be twenty eight. He'll still be, you know, in the, in the prime years of his career. Quarterbacks tend to get even better as they approach thirty in their early thirties. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and Daniel Jones can talk a little trash. As you saw in the Eagle Boss when he told that Eagles fan, "I'm sure you disappointed your mother before that." <laughs> That was, that was great. I have to take Eagles fan. <laughs> that was an Eagles Packers. Are we just picking random teams here? 
Yeah, seriously. All right, listen, everybody, I got to take my final commercial break. When we come back, more of your questions, pop them in the chat box, and we will get to them after this message. Hey, Giant fans, our partner at eBay Motors has teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're preparing for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. And if you're looking for a safe quarterback to take as a starter late after you wait on the position, then you can ride with the Seahawks' Geno Smith, who was the biggest surprise fantasy quarterback in 2022 and taking over for Russell Wilson. Smith took advantage of a great system under Shane Waldron and was a perfect fit with top wideouts DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Smith is back with Waldron and now has rookie dynamo Jackson smith Najigma too, and he's established as a solid option. And Giant fans, if you're looking for a guaranteed fit for your vehicle, you need to check out eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure that it's the right fit for your car because eBay's guaranteed fit helps you to understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle. So go for it, switch gears, crank up the AC, and say goodbye to sweating when your ride needs a little fixing up. Because with eBay's guaranteed fit, everything you need for your vehicle is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Locked on Giants Live, Trina, Tina, and Dog. And we are just cranking it up here. Speaking of uh, driving, I, I thought we got, we got uh, that was a long drive on Daniel Jones. But my gosh, does that bring out, you know. The, the passion I, 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 I can't help it. He brought up the question. I, 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 I don't blame you. You know, I, I just, I don't understand why you would want to pit one teammate against the other. It's, it's just, it, it doesn't oh, make sense. It. But, it's stupid, but, but look, I understand it. I, I get it too. Look, it's clickbait. I get it. I mean, yeah. look, I, I, I run a site where page views are important, but I'm not going to stoop to, to clickbait, you know, if I can help it at any rate. But anyway, let's get to some of these other questions. Let me see. Let's get to this one from Marky Fresh. What do you think the wide receiver group will look like going into the season? I don't think Shep is going to make it, and I think Beasley will. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Um, yeah. I think we were all in agreement that we think both those guys will. Um, and that's taken into account that Wandell, we think, will probably won't start the year. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm still not sure about, you know, if they go with six or seven. I know somebody asked me uh, today, would they consider going with eight? And I think eight would be too much. No, I can't but I, I think, but again, it's going to depend on injuries because if they want to put somebody on short term IR, they're going to have to put them on the 50, the initial 53 man roster. So you know, still a little too early. And I know I'm, I've been getting a lot of those questions over um, from my subtext community people. They're like, oh, you know, how many guys do you think will make it at this thing? Still a little too early to, for me to do a final roster projection, but that's coming, guys. We're going to do one of those on the show. I might even take that one live. For, for I'm going to do, do one of those, too, on my channel. Probably I might like, do it live. You know, I yeah. think that we're going to – or maybe just do a roundtable. That would be kind of cool if we do, like, a roundtable. Cool. 
Maybe I'll be... see if Nick Filato will, will hop on. We can do a round table. That would be a lot of fun, I think. Fun. So, all right, let's see. James Vegas, who do you think has the higher upside, Banks or Hawkins? Banks. Well, I would say Hawkins, given that Hawkins was lower, a lower pick, and from a smaller school. Well, if we're talking about that, like in terms of what could be the better value pick, but if we're, in my opinion at least, and I'll, you know, I'll get, I want, I'm very right. curious to hear your opinion on this, in terms of who has the potential to be an upper echelon corner in the NFL, who's more likely? Banks. It's Banks. Right. If, that, if that's but what the question's about, that's how I interpreted the question. Okay, I, inter about, I interpreted it in terms of value. That well, that's different. I agree. It's Hawkins. Then I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, we're not going to mention the Yankees because we don't want to get bad dogs started. <laughs> yeah, I just finished watching. They got shut out again. So back to back shutouts. Yeah. Neil Neil had this this little saying here about the Yankees getting. <laughs> By the, the way, Yankees, bad dogs the Yankees your words, are, man. This is, uh, <laughs> the latest they've been under five hundred since nineteen ninety two. So tells you all you need to know. About this team. All right. Here's a, here's an interesting one that, that I think we haven't touched on. Carl Banks's prediction with uh for Aziz Ojolari having 15 sacks. What do you think, guys? Do, can you I think, I think Carl reached a little there? I think so too. And uh, Wink's system, I think has Wink ever had a guy with get 15 sacks? He's never had a guy get double digit sacks. I was gonna say, I don't recall that that ever being the case. Yeah. If he got half of that, I'd be really happy. Right. And and that goes back to an earlier question we had about Thibodeau and you know what what the expectations are. That's why I don't think he's gonna be, you know, necessarily a double digit sack guy. I mean, if he if he does, it'll be a low double digit, but disruption is what it's all about, I think. Hey, listen, uh, I respect the hell out of Carl. Great guy, came on my channel, yep. obviously a giant legend. He definitely knows what he's talking about. Sure and he's does. not, And he's never scared to share his opinion. You know, he gives several takes that he's not always giant friendly. Um, and I remember he came on my channel. He didn't just say Daniel Jones was a top 10 quarterback. He said he was a top eight quarterback last year. Yep. And a lot of people in my chat gave him hell for that. But he's not scared to share his opinion. He's going to tell you how he feels. Yep. Um so I'm going to respect what he has to say. He knows more about these players than I do, for damn sure. Um, but if I'm thinking realistically, in my opinion, if you ask me, no. I'm not, When you factor in the diseases at injury troubles, when you factor in Wink's scheme, doesn't uh, you know necessarily lend itself to high individual sack totals because of the you know the type of scheme that he runs. I'm not going to go into the year with those expectations. What I will say, I do think. Aziz could consistently be a guy that hovers around double digit sacks if he could ever stay on the football field. He's got the talent. She's got to stay healthy, but well, 15's a lofty number. I think um, that if Aziz was a pure pass rusher, I um, think that's doable if he's healthy. 17 games, 15 sacks, pure pass rusher. If that was his one job, just go get the if Wink said to him, just go get the quarterback. Just just go. I, I think maybe. 15's a lot of – it's not that Ojolari doesn't have the talent. That's lead-the-league type numbers, bad dog. That's that is. That is, like, top of the top. Like, a lot of – you know, there's not many guys that get 15 sacks these days anymore. I, I hope Carl's right. That would be, that'd be amazing. I, I, I would love it, personally. But, by the way, dog, you, you, I think you'll appreciate this. You, do you remember how we talked about – I, I, how I suspected Aziz was doing a little too much with the workouts and yeah. that was contributing to – I finally got him, you know, when he was coming off the podium a couple, I think it was a couple weeks ago, 
pulled them all over. I said, Aziz, I got to ask you something. Because, you know, that was when he was talking about doing yoga and, and stretching and all that That's stuff. Cool. Yeah. I said, I got to ask you about your weightlifting. I said, last year, did you put on all that muscle because you wanted to or because a coach told you to? And he basically said, well, you know, I was working out, you know, three times a day and I just got big. And I get, I and I got the impression that he just got big without realizing he was getting big. It was like one morning, you know, you kind of look in the mirror and you go, "Oh wow, look, I got big," you know. And I, I, and so I, I followed that up. I said, "Now that you have a strength and conditioning coach in here, what did he tell you? Did he tell you to maintain that, or did he tell you to maybe back off a little bit?" And he told me that he was in a different weightlifting group this year, that, that he was in one group lower than he was the previous year. So just a little tidbit there. I'm, you know, bad dog, you'll, you'll probably understand what the mean, what that means a little bit better than I would, but there, there, I had that theory for the longest time that maybe Aziz was just working out, maybe not as in tune with what he needed to be in tune with. Maybe and he just got big all of a sudden and the body between, just wasn't accommodating. Yeah. There's definitely a difference between being gym strong and being, you know, f football strength. You you need to be flexible. I mean, you really when you're a bodybuilder, you just lift weights and you do kind of do what I, I mean. I'm not I'm not these football players, but I bust my ass in the gym. But I go to work every day and I just sit on my computer and do a lot of typing. I get up, walk around, do go back and do more typing. I'm not doing anything strenuous at work. I'm not shifting gears, getting hit, hitting. I'm not doing any of that. So you know, like I, I talk about this with Giancarlo Stanton with the Yankees too, because his legs are gone and it, it's obvious. It's sad. Giancarlo Stanton is. Built like a Greek god. So, you know, strong like ox and flexible as Borg. That's what Aziz was. Yeah, Borg's not flexible. So, yeah, you need to strengthen different muscles to play football. I talk about this all the time. Like Saquon, he could, if he held out, he could work out every day, get strong. Just, but there's a difference between being in shape in the weight room and being in shape in the football field. Mm -hmm. you got to kind of find the balance. So hopefully Aziz did. Sometimes these guys do put on too much muscle. It's easy to pull muscles when you have no flexibility. <laughs> so hopefully it, it works for him. He doesn't he, the guy is gonna be strong as hell anyway. But I'd rather a guy like Aziz Ojalari work on athleticism, flexibility, and speed. He's gonna be strong enough. He's 6'3, 250, whatever he is. I mean, a guy doesn't need to be 6'3, 265. He's not a lineman. Right. So hopefully it works out. I, I would love him to be healthy. He's one of my favorite guys and i i think he and Kayvon played one game together last year i i want to see them i want to see what they can do as a tan yeah yeah and but i i just i had to ask that question of him because that was i had that theory as you know i've expressed yeah. it on the show and and basically he confirmed my theory so um i just wanted to share that with everybody all right uh mark b wants to know What's up with Bryce Ford Wheaton with that poor performance in preseason? And does he make the cut? Does no. he make the cut? No. But to answer your question about the, the poor performance, that was kind of the knack against uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton coming into the pros. There's a reason why a guy doesn't get drafted. And one of the knocks against him was his inconsistent hands. And, mm -hmm. you know, despite having this wonderful catch radius, I don't remember what his drop percentage was, but, that was one of the, you know, stains on his resume, if you will. So, yeah. and uh, we saw it again. We saw it again, you know, in the, in the, in the preseason. And, you know, I, I know there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of fanfare about him. Oh, they guaranteed him all this money. I think they'd like <laughs> to develop him and, you know, 
have him grow in their system, but yeah, I don't see him making the 53. Yeah, when they picked him up, I viewed him as like a more intriguing David Sills. Like a, right. guy, a, a guy that you stash on the practice squad for a few years with potential. Like David Sills, he, he, he doesn't have like any real potential in terms of being a guy that could morph into a legitimate starting receiver in the NFL. This guy at least does. He's got height like Sills, but he's, he's a, obviously very athletic the way that he profiles. But he's obviously yes. a guy that was a very raw wide receiver. And yeah, and especially with the talent that we brought in 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 this wide receiver room this offseason, like Cole Beasley's been a good wide receiver in the NFL for a long time. Jamison Crowder's been a good wide receiver in the NFL for a long time. Sterling Shepard, these guys aren't superstars, but they're guys that are going to stick on rosters if they're healthy. So I I knew Bryce Ford Wheaton wasn't making this team. I think he's a guy that you hope doesn't get claimed anywhere. And based off the way he played in his first preseason game, he probably won't. And you stash him on the practice squad and you try to develop him over two or three years. I think that's the Giants plan with him. There's a yeah. difference between performing well at the underwear Olympics, which is the combine, yeah. yeah, and performing on an NFL field against NFL competition. It's way different catching a ball without coverage in a controlled environment as opposed to guys banging you, you going over the middle, here comes the safety, brace for the hit, make sure you catch the ball. Well, it's just it's it's a way different animal. So yeah, guys can have all the athleticism in the world, but like I was just talking about with Aziz Ozor, you can have all the strength in the world. It doesn't make you a good football player. You can have all the speed in the world. I mean, how many times did the Raiders go out and get? And this started way back with James Jett in the early '90s, and and uh, Darius Hayward Bay, and and all these other guys that they just ran four threes, but they never ended up being good wide receivers because all they could do was run. There's just there's so many things that go into making you a really good football player, not just one aspect where you're better than you know most of the league because everybody at this level is fast. Um, but you, you have to do – there's intangibles. Like like Cole Beasley is a perfect example. Cole Beasley is not the fastest guy, biggest guy, strongest guy, but he does what he has to do. You know, Phil McConaughey was the Giants in 86. I'm so, going to tell you what. When when we when we picked up Beasley, I was like, eh, whatever. That's a whatever move. Didn't even make a video about it. Didn't talk about it. I think Beasley's gonna have a big impact week one. I think Beasley's oh, gonna have oh. a big impact week one because I look at the Dallas Cowboys as a team. They have a great pass rush, right? They have good corners on the outside, right? I think the way you attack that team is over the middle on the slot. Get the ball out fast. Beasley creates quick separation. I'm not saying he's gonna have 120 yards. But I think week one against Dallas, I think he's going to have a bigger role than some fans may realize going into the year. I think Beasley's going to be pretty heavily involved in that Dallas Cowboys game. I really believe I that. I think Waller is, too. I, I think oh, Waller sure. is up yeah. Because, yeah. again, when, you have a, when your line isn't the best and those cornerbacks, I mean, we'll see about these wide receivers. But we know since Daniel Jones has gotten there, one of the big knocks of the guys that want to defend it, you know, have defended Daniel Jones years say, well, the receivers get no separation. So yeah. if your receivers aren't getting any separation, the safety blanket's always the tight end. We know this playing Dallas for years. Jason Witten used to kill us. And Jason Witten was not the biggest, you know, he was big, but he wasn't fast. He wasn't athletic, but he is big. He ran his route and he caught the ball and he killed us for years. So Darren Waller could definitely be that guy, especially on those play action passes, which that, that's the biggest thing for me is what Darren Waller can do. When defenses have to hesitate, especially if the Giants can run the ball with Barkley, you got to worry about is Barkley getting it? Is Jones taking off of it? Where, where are we going? Oh, shoot, he's throwing it over the middle of Darren Waller. So there's just a lot more options for the Giants on offense this year going against Dallas. 
And, you know, knock on wood, this is week one. They should all be fresh, healthy, and ready to go. So it's going to be a much different team this year that Dallas is going to see. Got to win that game. I'm pumped. Oh, MetLife is going to be rocking night. MetLife <laughs> is going to be rocking. I can't wait. I can't it's going to be loud and rocking. I can't, can't wait. wait either. I've got to make my hotel reservation for that night game, by the way. I, I still haven't done it. I don't know why. But anyway, uh, Christy asked, what's Aaron Robinson's status? Very little talk about him. He's on PUP. No timetable as to when he's going to come back. The longer mm -hmm. they sit on PUP, the less likely uh, they're going to be on the 53-man roster. He'll probably get moved from inactive PUP. I'm sorry, active PUP to inactive PUP. Uh, would be my guess. So I don't it, want it him to be. I don't want him to be rushed back. I I just don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think you need back. to rush it back at this point. You know, because you, you've got. I mean, unless there's an injury somewhere along the line, and then if he's even, ready, even but, then I don't, Patty. He's young. I don't. I don't want to mess with him. Yeah, he's a man. I, 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 he's I, back just, then. just let him. You know, let him take his time to come back. They, you know, they've got they've got guys that you know they can continue developing. So. I think Aaron Robinson's going to start the season on on pup. I really do. I don't. I don't think they activate him just yet, but we'll see. You know, according to Dable, everybody's at different spots, and you know, we'll see how it goes. I thought DJ Davidson would stay on pup, but depends on their their rehab, I guess. Yeah. So, um, okay. Doug Analytics asks this question: Have there been any assistant coaches calling plays in camp or preseason? Doug, no, but what they do is they all have headsets so they can hear the calls. Mm. So if you want to consider that as, you know, coaches in training, that's how they're kind of approaching it. Like you'll see a lot of the assistant coaches have, you know, headsets hooked up to um, Kafka, you know, if it's the offensive assistant coaches or the defensive assistant coaches will be hooked up to Martindale. So that's kind of how they work it. But no, they, they that, haven't been. That's a good question by Doug. I forgot what preseason yeah. game I was watching the other day. It was on NFL Network. I think it was on Saturday, and that's what they did. They let the assistant coaches call the game. The it was they let the yeah, offseason. Yeah, to my beat. knowledge, no. Yeah, I mean, no. Yeah, they, I don't they, think the Giants do have, done it. They have the 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 headsets though. That I I know, and you know, because I I remember asking somebody about that, and and you know, they're they try. Maybe that was the case in 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 the you know earlier on, like in the the OTAs or stuff, but. No, now that we're getting down to crunch time, it's like okay, let's let's get it going here. So, um, so yeah, that's that's my understanding of it. Anyway, uh, all right, let's see. BJ Tico asks, uh, how many players do you think the Giants will claim off the waiver wire? TJ, uh, BJ, it depends. Let's see who gets cut. Uh, yeah. It's too early to answer that question, in my opinion. You know, to put a number on it. You know, I'm not going to yeah. sit here and say, "Oh, they claim five. Because remember, you also when you're claiming guys off the waiver wire, depending on how many years experience they have, you're claiming their contracts, and that's going to go against your cap. So you can't go crazy, all right? Yeah. So you know, and, and, ha guys and half the time, I know, yeah. I know this from doing videos on YouTube because I used to make videos of that the guys that they would claim, uh, you know, right after cuts around the league. Half the time, half those guys don't even make the opening day roster. Like they right. claim them. And, because they're back end of the guy, you know, roster guys. So they come in, they, and they count and they count, you know, if they're on the roster for the first week, they count the yeah. salary guaranteed. I so, think they'll pick yeah. up a few players though. I think they'll kick the can. Maybe a couple, on yeah, yeah. There will definitely yeah. be some, but I don't think they'll go crazy. Yeah, I agree. Saying. And I think you have to see what the roster looks like 
when you make the cut downs and then who becomes available. You can't just go out there and say, oh, they're going to take 10 players and claim them. I mean, I think the Giants did that a, a couple of years ago or three or four years ago. And, and it was surprising. They claimed a lot of guys. And mm-hmm. that was more of an indication of, of the def- deficiencies of the roster at the time. So um, Mark's right. got a really good question. When, get to him next, because I'm curious oh. to get your take on the uh, the captains. But let's let's answer this. OK. Quickly. All right. I, I want to get to Davies because Davies asked us a, a few times now. He wants to know anything new on Lemieux. Um, Lemieux's been working with twos and threes, uh, for the most part. I don't really remember seeing him a whole lot with the ones. So I think he's getting cut. I think he's getting cut. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Yeah. All right. Um, now let me see. You said Mark had a question. Mark B. Yeah. He, he says, um, Patty, when do the players vote for captains and when do that's, they give up? Com- All right. That's coming up. I think the first week of, uh, I think they do it right after the initial 53 is set. So I want to get your prediction that. for captains. Like last year, let me think who the captains were. It was Andrew Thomas. It was Saquon Barkley. It was Daniel Jones. It was Xavier McKinney. It was Dexter. It was Dexter. And was it Leo? Leo, I think. Yeah. And then on specials, it was Cam Brown and Gano. Gano. Yeah. I, all right. I'll go first. I think it's the same three on offense. I think it's Jones, Barkley, and Andrew Thomas. Dex is clearly going to be a captain. I, I will be interested to see if McKinney loses the captain's badge based off of what happened last year with the with the uh, with, with, with the ATV in season. I'm not saying he's gonna, but interesting to see. I well, could who would see, you replace then? Oh, Karake could middle, you know, in the middle, man in the middle, yeah. linebacker. I know he's the first year here, but I could see him getting that that honor. Um, Leo, I think we'll get it again. I think the only one in terms of if I'm excluding special teams, the only one who I could see maybe not getting the captain's badge back would be McKinney. I'm leaning he will. Um, but if he does not, I would guess I would guess Okarake would get it. And and you know, we, I think we agree that um Cam Brown will probably not be on the roster and he was a captain last year. Yeah. So who do you think swap, you know, do you go with McFadden? Do you go with Carter Coughlin? Who do you go with there? Do you go with maybe Kreider? Kreider, that's a, that's an out of the box one. I don't, I, I don't, I don't hate that one. That's pretty good. I like that one. Um, hmm. Our special yeah, teams are so bad. <laughs> Our special <laughs> teams are so bad. Yeah. I'm trying to think who, who they would give it to. I don't know. That's a good one. I don't know. All right. All right. Uh, Big Moo asked about how many guys on the practice squad can be protected each week. Moo, they got rid of that rule. I think that was just during um, the the pandemic. I don't think they have that rule anymore. So, oh, they got they got rid of it completely. Yeah, I think they got rid of it because I I don't remember them uh, protecting guys last year. Okay. Uh, so I think it was just during the pandemic um, that they had that. Um, all right, Christy asked Shane making any last ditch attempts at a Leo extension. Probably not. Probably not. Um, just how his contract is set up, they wouldn't get that big of an amount of. Of relief, so I I don't think so. I don't this, think so. This has to be Leo's last year as a giant, right? I I think it, I think that that's a possibility. I mean, I keep saying if they need to clear money out, they can maybe look at Tyrod Taylor extending him. Mm-hmm. They can, you know, I I don't know that Darnay Holmes is going to make this roster. So there's yeah. th- about three million there that they can save. Um. So yeah, there there are other places they can get money right now. 
they're not in horrible shape. I think they have just over 5 million, I want to mm -hmm. say, but, and, and it's, that number is going to change once cuts are made and they get, you know, veteran contracts are terminated and these, these, you know, one year uh, veteran minimum deals revert back. So that'll change. So we'll have to see what the, the number looks like. And then I can maybe do a, an article or a show on where they can get more cap money if they need it. But I don't think it's going to come from Leo. I would love uh, to have Leo back. I just thought with, with the increasing interior defensive line market and where yeah. I think we're going to, you know, McKinney Barkley, like I just, uh, unless he's willing to take a big discount where if you're Leonard, why would you? I mean, he may, he exactly. may, he may say he loves playing here. He loves playing next to Dex, but you're, you're 30 years old, dude. Like you, you got to cash exactly. in. Like you, I, I just don't see it. I don't think I don't think he'll be back after this year. I hope right. I'm wrong. And, I love Leo. And by the way, Moo, uh, Big Moo asks this. There's only one cut down date. I think it's I don't remember the exact date, but it's like I want to say is it the Tuesday app? I don't remember the exact date. I'd have to look at the calendar, but it's I want to say is it the 29th? Yeah, I know. I think, I think you think just said August it. I know 29th. they only have one day now. I know that. Yeah, it's one day. So yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah, what I just looked it up. You're right. It's the 29th. Yeah. All right, we'll take a few more questions. Playoff P wants to know, is Waller somebody that you might see as a captain? I mean, it's possible, but, I, I mean, if they if they only go to three. Think, I don't think so. Not this year. Yeah. And I mean, if, I, I wouldn't rule it out, but then what are you going to do? You're going to have four captains on offense? I, no. I just don't think that's – yeah. Yeah, I, 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 why, why, why would you revoke the badge from Thomas – Jones or Barkley. And, if, and I'll tell you yeah. what, if, if they were going to give an honorary captain to somebody that wasn't one of those three, yeah. I would give it to Shep. Shep's been here the longest. He's a team guy. Um, that's who I'd give it to. Like, if, if you were going to take one away from the – because when you think captain, you're not necessarily thinking the best player in the team. Nick Gates was a captain because he was a guy yeah. that the team rallied behind and, and so on and so forth. So I would go Shep before Darren Waller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let me get one in here from Papa Guzzo. How long will our starters play on set? It's actually Friday, right? The game's Friday, isn't yes, it? Yes, Friday. Okay, yeah. You scared me there, Papa Guzzo. I'm like, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, my guess is if the starters play, and I do think they will play, you will see some of them for maybe a couple of series. Some of them may play a full quarter. I think the Jet game is going to be the, the dress rehearsal because the Jets, that's – a, a pretty good team on both sides of the ball. So that would yeah. be a really good litmus test, I think, ahead of, uh, you know, the regular season opener. That would be my the thing guess. is, Patty, we play them during the regular season. So would they – That's a good, like, that's a good point. A difference? Oh, that's, a, that's a good point. But I'm, I'm talking – you would be vanilla, though. You, you yeah, would be, I think it's vanilla playbook, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's, but, but I get Bad Dog's point, too. You don't want to show them too much. No, it, 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 that is a good point. I mean, you yeah. would think theoretically – you know, now that you I'm actually surprised, it. to be honest with you, and I know we play the Jets every year in the preseason, but you would think on a year where we play them in the regular season, you'd substitute somebody else. We usually substituted the Patriots. Yeah. That was the well, team. actually, I think the Patriots pulled out. Of, of, oh, of is that, that what happened? I think that's what happened. I don't know why. Is it, is it Joe Judge? I, no, <laughs> might be. this year, so that I, I had heard it was because the Giants and the Patriots are going to play each other in the regular season in Belichick. Sure, that's too. what I had heard. So. That's right. We play them too. Yeah. But the Giants' game is kind of locked in. So I mean, I guess it's a local ratings bonanza. Cleveland's also yeah. pain in the neck. 
from a media perspective, but you know, it is what it is. So what are you going to do? Right. In Cleveland, they could have used a team from the, or maybe Pittsburgh. Like you would think they would have just went with another, I don't know. Local team, somewhat local team. Yeah. 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 So, all right, let me see if we have any other questions and then if not, we'll wrap it up because we've been going on for two and a half hours, which, you know, Time has flown, by the way. Oh, it was great. Um, great. But I know I've got to I've got to get some articles done for tomorrow's morning. So let me see if we have anything else. Okay, what's this from Lloyd? Lloyd Goldstein asks, ESPN ranks our interior defensive line number one. Do you see that? And our O-line last year was nowhere near number one. Yeah, I agree with that part. The interior defensive line, Dexter Lawrence, man. I mean, one, one of the best. best young players on, in, in the interior defensive line. You know, would you guys put Dexter in the same breath as as Aaron Donald, who's who's clearly at, like at, at this oh. point? I'm no? at this point. I might not not for oh, his career, but Aaron Donald's getting older. Point. Yeah, at this so point, you I said might. no. Maybe I mean at, at this point in their careers, maybe. But how many? I've never no, no, seen no. For I've Aaron Donald, one of the career. greatest players of all time. Yeah. yeah. So maybe yeah. they're well, in terms maybe of impact, now, but in terms of impact, you know. We're talking about the present. Would you say in the that- present? In the present, I think that yeah, you could ease in the conversation. You got, yeah, I mean, right. you got Chris Jones, you got Quinnen Williams, you got Dex. Those are the, those are the, and of course oh, Aaron yeah, Donald. This is tenth year in the league, so you know, yeah. he's getting up there. But yeah, maybe now. But like when I hear any comparison, to Aaron Donalds, I got. No, the guy, the guy's one of the. I love Dex, but, to Lawrence yeah. Taylor, right? People yeah, that there's say no Aaron comparison Donald, Lawrence Taylor. Taylor. No, we can't I mean, do come that. Come on. I yeah, and to answer is I don't know if I would I don't know if I'd have to really like look around the league to give you a good answer there. But I will say we have one of the better defensive yeah, interior defensive. I'm fine, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, we're our defensive line is our biggest strength, probably on our team. I, I would say it's it's our biggest strength. So, um, yeah, it's definitely I would guess venture to guess a top five unit. Um, we have a great interior defensive line, like you said. Dexter Lawrence is a second team All Pro, and he's get, only going to get better. Uh, Leonard Williams, people forget about, is damn good. He was just banged up last year. You had some really quality depth. Ashawn Robinson, when he's on the field, is really good. Nacho's a pretty good player. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's one of the better interior defense lines for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. I think that'll probably do that. Yeah, it looks like uh, we, we went through all the questions. I know some of you asked questions that we've already covered. So if we didn't get to a question you guys know what to do. Just send them to me and I'll pop them in, you know, on a show or something uh, in a segment. But uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, we got, it was great to get caught up um, the next few weeks. We'll see how the roster plays out and we'll see if we can't get together and do a roster prediction round table. I yeah. think that would be kind of fun, right? That would be awesome. And be uh, awesome. also for those who don't know, Bad Dog asked me to be on his show, so I'm excited. I'm going to make my debut on, on Bad Dog's awesome. uh, awesome. Yes. Of course, Chris, you know, the invitation's always open. Of course, of course. Yes. Of course. So, yeah. so, uh, 20, 24-hour stream. So I'm trying to load up. I'm trying to get as many guests as I can. I've got I – mean, I got about, I'd say, seven – People, I think it's seven. If I these two, if Chris comes on, Patty, Chris, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll try to pop on. Guys, I do the round table with that'd be five. Philly five hundred six. Trevor from Laker Nation seven, and then I mentioned that. But I'm Tom Grassi might be eight. So, so that's nice. a pretty good lineup of people. And obviously, if you don't know, I do these twenty four hour streams, and half of whatever I get during the twenty four hour stream, I always donate to charity. 
they're doing a stand up to cancer. This, uh, so whatever I get through 24 hours, I'm donating 50% to stand up to cancer. So let's kick some God ass. Bless. As a cancer survivor, I thank you, dog. Yeah, of course. Of course. And that's why I, you know, I was like, Patty, be perfect because she's kicking cancer's ass. Like, we're going to kick Dallas's ass week one. That's right. <laughs> let's go. No, but it's always we, fun. We, I love the challenge. And if for no, no other reason, you'll be bouncing off the wall the following week. That alone. Oh, God. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> Oh man, this is great. All right. Well, anyway, um, okay. David asked what time I'll be on, on bad dog show. David, it depends on what time I get done with, with, uh, Saturday media obligations. We got Dable and then I've got to do my writing obviously. Um, but I'll, I'll text, uh, or I'll DM bad dog and kind of find out, you know, when I can come on. But uh, at some point I would think I, probably Saturday night, I would think, I mean, dog, I don't know if you've got a structure as to how you do it. I really don't. I've told everybody, listen, just, I'm there for 24 hours. So whenever yeah. you pop in, if it's for 10 minutes, awesome. If it's for an hour, awesome, whatever. Yeah. I, I well, I'm it. definitely going to stop in and, and, and it'll be fun. I've never been on I'll dog show, but I'm, I'm really excited to do it. And, yeah, and, cool. uh, you know, we'll slander the Eagles the whole time, Patty. We'll just make one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll have me rolling on the floor. Of laughter, right. man. That or, or, or your Yankees brands. They, they, were oh, epic, they, yeah, they were epic. Oh, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Locked on Giants Live. This was an absolute blast. I hope you all had as good of a time as I did. Uh, you got, again, Train and Tana and Dog. We will do this again, I'm sure, maybe in a couple weeks as we get closer to the roster cutdown. Maybe we do a roster uh, roundtable show prediction. We'll figure it out. But uh, thank you all for, for coming on and uh, have a good night, everybody. We'll see you again soon. Mm -hmm.